Welcome in everyone to Football Friday, presented by Football Addicts Anonymous. Mark is back. <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, back on camera anyways, sometimes <laughs> call it in there, but um, yeah, not sure if Chris is coming on. He's driving, but a lot of stuff to go through. Considering we didn't have a Monday show, I was at team camp with my alma mater, my high school football team, um, helping them out while I'm home here. There we go. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get through the NCAA NFL news and then uh, wrap up with our NFC West season preview. Our last one before we get into training camp and our fantasy rankings shows coming up shortly, as well as preseason. Preseason right around the corner. That means uh, early Super Bowl picks, division pick winners. Yeah, preseason will officially start next Thursday, I believe. Isn't that crazy? It doesn't seem like it. it does not seem like it. Yeah, I believe it's August 5th is the... Well, that same... Hall of Fame game. August 4th marks uh, exactly a month until Clemson and Georgia weekend. Yeah. It'd be a good one. <laughs> I, would say, I would say Marquette and uh, just got away from basketball season. <laughs> All righty. Uh... Let's get this rolling here with the PowerPoint. And then we'll actually go back. Uh, but, so, start off NCAA. Uh, actually, we're going to start off badly on, on both NCAA NFL and NFL news. But, yeah. Legendary Florida State head coach Bobby Bowden. He has been diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer, his son said in a statement this past week. Um, I mean, I don't have too much. I know what he did. I just, you know, I wasn't. You know, I, I mean, I, being older, having some years on you, double-digit years, <laughs> um, I grew up watching the, the Seminoles, you know, in Missouri, they were they were the prime time game, right? And they were they were the product back then. It was, it was Nebraska, it was Florida, Florida State. At times, it was Miami. And so, um, just I know he's he's had a lot of players under his tutelage, and I think a unique for me thing is when we both got our masters here at Georgia, we had one professor that actually was um kind of like a uh, a leadership coach for him bounced ideas off of him he this guy that was one of our professors also did it for mark few at gonzaga and just everything that you hear from you know Dion sanders to peter work to work done to people that worked with him is he is the the real deal like he cared for his players he cared for the university and he tried to do it right at every step. you know mm -hmm. no one's perfect perfect in life and so that's what I, that's what i love about his story um i know he's older and a lot of people don't 
realize what he meant to college football. His wins speak for itself. So. Yeah, I just thought it was kind of weird that they came right out and said it was terminal. You know, usually you just, all right, we had this person got diagnosed with this type of cancer or just cancer in general. Um, right. But they, you know, now they know, everyone knows that and, uh, time is limited. At, at 91, it might be one of those things where he doesn't necessarily want to do tr- treatment, right? Like it's exhausting at that age. Mm. I've got a long life. Let's just put it out there and live the moments that we have left. Definitely. Uh, so let's move on here to a frustrating thing, uh, I thought, anyways. So the NCAA, I don't know if it was the NCAA necessarily that put it out there. I don't know who actually reported it, but during the 2020-2021 year, academic athletic year the NCAA revenue dropped by more than 50% because of the pandemic and someone still got paid but NCAA president Mark Emmert his salary still rose up to 2.9 million for last year that just makes no sense and so I, I don't even know where you want to dive in. I don't. You just tell me your feelings, or I can tell you why I think this happens. Well, it's just another reason, you know, showing how corrupt the NCAA is, and that it needs to be dissolved. Really, I mean. Well, what I find funny and that I would argue with, I'm not not an argument I would present to anybody is. You know, I was always a big fan. Just like we talk, like, you don't want to work in NCAA because of this reason. You want to be at the professional level. And I always thought I wanted to be at the NCAA level, and then I work a little bit in it, and I'm like, oh, this stuff is really as bad as what they say. My big point on this, not to talk for an hour, is the reason this happens is not even your athletic directors. It's not even your SEC commissioners. The people that are actually pulling these strings are the presidents of these universities because what is happening with Mark Emmer being in office, these universities are making money. Michigan State's only getting hand slapped for the uh, Larry Nasser issues. I know that Penn State, but I mean, really, when you look at Penn State, they could have got the death penalty with mm-hmm. Sandusky. It's he's making all the, he's lining these presidents and campuses with money and slapping North Carolina on the wrist as well with certain things. And he's a politician, right? Like he's sitting in, in NCA headquarters making this money and the presidents are like, keep doing that. You look like a bad person, but we'll give you 2.9 million in, in monetary value. I mean, if you ask a lot of people, they probably would take that, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of lot of bad stuff going on in the NCAA. That you're right. That is one of the reasons why I don't want to work at the collegiate level. Um, but 
Yeah, that when that came out, that just—it was crazy, right? Like yeah. it is certified. Like, here's my question to everybody: I don't know how many viewers we have, and this is what I asked in class when I was teaching classes, like sports management, TA, intro to sports management. Like, if you're a CEO of any other company, I mean, pick a company, pick a phone company, Sprint, right? And you had like a like a sexual assault case, like Michigan State or Penn State or the FBI scandal with basketball. Would you still be the CEO of of Sprint or the pick a pick a restaurant, pick a Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. Microsoft, or even a professional team? Yeah. Like like what happened with the Clippers? I mean, and that's that's a little different, but it's still. If you were those three big cases, you would not be the CEO of that company any longer. And I would, I don't know anyone that would argue me and say, oh, you're wrong. Like, he wouldn't be in that chair anymore, but he's still in the chair because it's not really up to the mid-major schools, right? It's not up to the conference commissioners. It's these presidents that are like, uh line my pockets and that's where people don't like when you get tradition and and spirit and pride that comes on campuses from athletics and it's an intersection with education so these presidents are like the model's working for us because UJ still Jerry Moorhead's making you know more than maybe the president of the United States I think you can look it up I think he made like 430 last year like these presidents are making tons of money off of these teams, and so we're going to keep Mark Emmer, you know, in, in his chair for a while. But it's it's coming down. It's it's going to come crumbling down. Trust me. Yeah, that's why I think you know we've seen that it's had to go through the court system in order to, like I said earlier, sort of start the dissolution of the NCAA um, because you can't it it would if it didn't go through the courts in the legal process then it would be almost impossible to um, change how the system currently works so so according to in 2017 and no, it's just got updated in March in May 17th, 2021. Georgia Tech president and our president, Jerry Moorhead, have total compensation that exceeds $900,000. And so why wouldn't you want Mr. Emmert to stay in power if you're making that much money as a president of a university? knowing that if you do if if your football team gets caught look at baylor right like it took a while for them to fire their president even their football coach and their ad and then they bounce back and they're at liberty right like why not keep this guy in office if he's lying in my pockets yeah well i think that Mark Hammer NCAA issue transitions well into the biggest storyline going on in college sports and college football specifically right now in that Oklahoma and Texas have both reached out 
to the SEC about joining, coming over from the Big 12. And actually, you know, I got a couple updates within the last day or so, even hours, uh, because it's just constantly moving forward. And what I heard was that the SEC is expected, or the those two schools are expected to announce their intent to the Big 12 within the next day or two, and that no. the SEC could uh, send invitations to those schools in the in the coming week. Um, so I, I heard there's going to be a vote in the next 28 or 24 to 48 hours. Um, with my expertise. Just throwing out the the NCA couple years I've been a part of it as a student manager or um, graduate internship. It would be hard. I, it would be a hard sell for for someone to convince me that Texas is a shoe in. Like I really do think there's going to be pushback from Texas A&M. Plus, they would have to give up the Longhorn Network. But with that said, I do think it's a possibility because. Even though they're making tons of money, they haven't been relevant since Vince Young. And now they have uh, Steve Sarkeesian in the saddle, and he's been in the SEC, right? Mm-hmm. I think OU is a definite shoe-in if the SEC really wants to add them. I think that I, if I was OU and I was the AD there, my push would be you have I'm going to join your conference, which is only going to make the SEC more money, but you have to put me in the, in the East. And to me, you're automatically contending with Georgia and Florida for a championship each year. Then you add in, if you expand it to a 12-team conference, right, like a one or two loss Oklahoma gets you into that picture if you're a part of the SEC, correct? Correct me if I'm if, if you guys don't think that would be possible. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side, it could be a total power play for here here's the reason that texas and oklahoma are mad when is the last time that they had multiple games in one season where they were on primetime tv oklahoma and texas have been playing at noon most of their football games for the last four or five years because of the sec network even the acc network is taking over you know their tv deals and so if this does happen they will not join any sooner than I would say the soonest they could join would be 2023, but I would really look at it at 2025. And I can easily see the SEC saying, yes, we'll take Oklahoma. And no, we do not want Texas. A&M does have a grandfather clause, whether it's written or not, as the only Texas team. Every state is a one-team state besides Mississippi, Alabama, and Tennessee, and they were all founders of the SEC. With that said, though, if you add someone like OU, I could see Vanderbilt saying bye because Vanderbilt has already said they're tired of getting crushed. We're an academic school. They can go to another conference. Or if it's on, if the teams are really going to expand to a 12-team playoff system, then this will be the first of one or two super leagues, maybe a third super league, if that makes sense. And if the SEC votes on both, then you're going to see Clemson and Notre Dame and all of these schools. Notre Dame's going to have to join, you know, if that makes sense. Or maybe Oklahoma and Texas, 
if the SEC says no, go goes independent. That that's actually an option, and then they can schedule any SEC, Pac-12, Big Ten team they want. Yeah, I think the Oklahoma, the the realignment within the SEC would be difficult, and I don't like what, as far as Georgia goes, anyways, what the many have proposed is sliding Alabama into the East, which nah, that, that would that would be Kirby very Smart tough. Has, Kirby Smart has too much pull, and Nick Saban. I mean, if anything, maybe the Auburn would slide over, but I believe with it would be both. And A and M being in the West, it only makes sense that Oklahoma would join. I believe a lot of the realignments that I've seen have both Auburn and Alabama moving to the east, um, just geographically. But but geographically, Oklahoma would make no sense in the west. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. Geographically, it would make sense in the west. I said that backwards. Yeah, but I, I did see that vote thing, just like you said, Mark, and I saw that the predicted vote would be 13 to 1 obviously Texas A&M being the one um yeah you know I don't what I find interesting in this whole debate right like I've had conversations besides you and and Chris is Oklahoma why would they go why would they go there they'd be so bad and I'm like one it's an elite program and if you don't think Oklahoma's elite program look at the Heismans look at the even though they haven't won a championship I mean we beat them in the Rose Bowl by by a hand block, right? Is they would get more money, which would solidify everything that they're doing, right? And then it would bring in even more recruits. And my thing is it would bring more recruits on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, now I can go to Oklahoma and play against, if I'm a cornerback or a linebacker, and go against these people. And my thing that I argue with people, and they said, well, they, they would lose two games. I also think that would be true, and this will never happen, but if Georgia was ever, like, in the Big 12, right, you're, Georgia wouldn't just go there and steamroll people for one for the same reason that Oklahoma's not going to steamroll, but they're not going to be bad either. Is Oklahoma, Georgia doesn't have to prepare for these wide-open offenses week in and week out, right? They know their SEC foes. SEC foes aren't playing Lane Kiffin and Mississippi State pirate football right you're, you're still the ground and pound you're, you get Alabama has kind of adopted Nick Saban said we got to score more but if you had to play every week preparing for a TCU or a Baylor that gets exhausting you have more injuries they spread the, the field out and you're you're susceptible to more losses and so I hate those apples to oranges like oh if Ohio State came down here to the SEC they would lose a couple games. Well, SEC teams would too if they went to the Big Ten or the Big 12. Let's stop acting like, yes, from top to bottom, it is a tough conference. We tailgate better than any schools. But teams would lose games in in either conferences, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with the Texas thing. The Texas, I don't think, is, is, you know, up to the standards. No, they're going to have competitively. Yeah, I think Texas would struggle, and they would fall into the Tennessee category, which was another thing that someone said about, well, 
Tennessee versus Texas, they would they would just be fighting the whole game of who is the actual UT. <laughs> yeah, I have a better orange burnt, like, you know, my yeah. orange burnt orange is better than yours. But, you know, and those two, those two schools, I think, are kind of the most, in my opinion, if I'm a commentator or an analyst, those two schools actually intrigue me the most moving forward because we all know Texas has the resources, right? Like, they have ample resources, they just can't get out of their own way. And Tennessee, I think, had just hit it out of the park with their AD hire. His dad was an AD at Duke forever. His brother is coaching the Florida Gators basketball team. His sister is an AD at Duke as well. And I think he actually knows on the development side where Tennessee has been lacking. It's it's everything has been kept in family. We need more support. We need stability. And I think five, 10 years down the road, Tennessee is gonna be another powerhouse. Just like Missouri is a sleeping giant if no one has been keeping up with what Missouri's done. They went 5-5 five and five last year in the Duke's first year, Eli. And they just got a $30 million donation over the summer, breaking ground on a practice facility to match Georgia's. I mean, it's, the conference is, is going – the East is getting tougher is all I'm going to say. And so Georgia better – he, yeah. Kirby better keep up with what he's doing, but because people are coming after. Yeah, I think the I think that going back to the Texas thing, I think Oklahoma doesn't go without Texas though. I think Oklahoma wants yeah. Texas to come with them. Well, you have to have that red red river. Yeah, rivalry, what shootout rivalry, and that's why I think it's a power play. Like I. I think they're looking around and saying this TV deal has to get better. Otherwise, we're falling to the wayside like Pac-12. Yeah, but I, I would actually like, I would rather Oklahoma and Cincinnati go together. I think, I think Cincinnati's ready. UCF was, but I think they've kind of stepped back a little bit since they're unofficial national time. championship yeah. but Cincinnati's been a constant force in the American and I think they would be a good fit but they're not in the conversation so that's why the two questions I had was you know I know a lot of people are asking this is the Big 12 still alive if Oklahoma Texas leave I I <sighs> I don't think it evaporates unless they just want to rename it. But I think that you have Cincinnati, SMU, Houston, UCF, you could call upon. And I will throw this out there. I think Nebraska, you would have a chance to bring Nebraska back. I think they really do want it out of the Big Ten. I, I don't think it's went well for them. They have a new AD coming in. You know, Scott Frost has been there. He played there when it was the Big 12. So I think you could try to lure them in. It, the downfall is if you lose those two schools, it's not as appealing. But let, let's say that I'm the commissioner of the Big 12. This would be how I keep Texas and Oklahoma. And people don't think about this. You have to get in front of things, right? Like, I would already be calling Notre Dame left and right. Or, I mean, Nebraska saying, please, Dude, you guys have not had a good run in the Big Ten. Bring yourself back. We're keeping UT. We're keeping OU. 
and I would add them and bring back Cincinnati. Or not bring back, but add Cincinnati. Try to get Houston and add a couple teams. And so, like, let's say you can get four teams that don't want to be in their conferences anymore, and that's how you keep Texas and Oklahoma, if that makes sense. And I think those are some of the things that people don't talk about that have to be happening behind closed doors. If not, someone please give me a job, please. Yeah, I think they they would have to get. I think if, if both Oklahoma and Texas leave, I think the Big Twelve would have to get both Cincinnati and UCF. I mean, obviously Houston would make more sense geographically. Cincinnati, eh? I I would like to see Cincinnati in the Big Ten. Actually, I think Cincinnati Ohio State would be a fantastic. You could go team. after Memphis too. It's right there. Yeah, it is. Colorado State has been has been in talks before, but I still think you need someone a little bit bigger than that, and that's why I'm telling you, I think Boise State was also in the conversation. Yeah, I think Nebraska is the longest shot, but I'm not convinced that they wouldn't say no. Right? Like I don't think Colorado is coming back at all. Why? Why couldn't you reach out to the UNLV? Like, there's a lot of like Boise State, geographically, none of this makes sense because of the almighty dollar. But there is a lot of people that you can call on and say, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah. I would target, I would try to convince Texas and OU that we're going to get Boise State, Nebraska, Cincinnati, and Memphis. I don't think Houston wants in there because Texas is right there and they're – they want to make more. They want to be like Texas and all. Those would be the schools that I would go after wholeheartedly. Yeah, that that well, that kind of already answered my other one was about other other realignment. Um, definitely interesting to see what the first domino is, and obviously, right now we only have Oklahoma, Texas in the in the picture, but. We could see, you know, the first realignment since I don't even remember when the other one was because I wasn't too big on college football. The, big, the first big breakup was, was like the Big East in basketball because their schools that had football said, hey, we're going to go here, here, and here. Yeah. And you already mentioned Notre Dame, too. I know Notre Dame would most likely have to join the ACC if this – Suppose the SEC. And if I and like if I was the ACC, I would I would pick up UCF, and not just because of their like other things people have to consider is, yeah they want they claim that national championship but they have eighty thousand students on camp like it is a huge school it has basketball it has the funds I would try to pick it up I try to I would I would I would be if I'm the ACC commissioner out of Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm calling Notre Dame saying, if Texas and OU join, you can't be independent anymore. There's no way. I know Mark and I talked a lot. Chris, do you have any thoughts on Oklahoma, <laughs> Texas joining the, yeah, the SEC? I mean, I was just letting you guys talk because you guys know a lot more about the NCAA with all the conferences and divisions and all that. So I was letting you guys talk, especially Mark there, because uh, 
I feel like he knows a lot about it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for whatever makes the best competition. I know, Mark, you were saying before about how some of the teams were mad about being or not being in the uh, primetime games or whatever. Well, if there was better competition in those conferences and all that, they would be in those primetime games. So I'm all for whatever, like I said, whatever makes for the best TV. With that said, I know I'm long-winded on this. I think you bring up the best point, Chris, out of all of us. And what people are thinking is, oh, man, how could they do this and that? Is I really do think the best competition that you're going to see on football or on TV is football five five years from now, maybe 10 at the longest, is going to go and not be a part of the NCAA, if that makes sense. What the NCAA is going to keep, because these bowl games – the NCAA doesn't make any money off these bowl games. And people, some people don't realize that. There's Tostito, the Verizon, their Chick-fil-A, right? Things like that is to see the best competition is these super leagues. And I think Texas and Oklahoma are looking at this. Like, we're not going to really be attached to the NCAA anymore because name, image, and likeness is coming up. And so let's go to these big leagues. And you may have a league – one day out west, and if you want to do it geographical to save money and make even more money and to put better primetime games out on the west, is maybe you have, you know, we're going to draw a line right here in Boise State, UNLV, and Colorado, and Utah, and whatever it, whatever it may be. Maybe Kansas State falls into that side, and then you're going to split the middle of America, and then you're going to split this side, but then you can play whoever, right? Like, you can schedule anybody during the regular season. You can have eight games. And you can schedule out west and up north and Ohio State and Alabama can schedule each other. And it's okay if you lose because then we're going to have this big, you know, 18-team playoff one day, right? And that's going to make for the best TV. And I see that that's, that's where it's going. And the NCAA is going to keep basketball maybe – um, schools are going to drop down and say, I want to be one double A because I'm not getting these payout games anymore. So please take care of me. And that's what the NCAA is going to do. Yeah, one last thing. It's fine. Oklahoma, Texas, you can leave the Big 12. That is perfectly fine. You know why? Because Matt Campbell will take that and he will roll the rest of the Big 12 and Iowa State will be perennial Big 12 champions. <laughs> as long as they can add another two schools to make it 12 schools once again. Um, so <laughs> Otherwise, if they don't, I don't know what they would... They would have to keep it the Big 12. They, they couldn't... You know, There's already a Big 10, so... I mean, in the famous words of Paul Feinbaum, which everybody loves... He, when this NIL happened, he said, this, this is the downfall of the NCAA. And so now these teams are going to dictate where they go and what they want to do. That's just the bottom line. Yeah, and speaking of nil, uh, I didn't put it on here, but I figured since I talked about it, I might as well say it. Uh, USC's quarterback, Heaton Slovis, he... 
signed with, let me get it up here. It was Clutch, Clutch Sports, which is the same agency that LeBron uses. So, <laughs> I love Keaton Slovis. Should be very good season for USC this year. Anyways, on to NFL news. Like I said, we're starting NFL and NCAA off, both on bad notes. Chris, I know you definitely know about this. The Jets assistant head coach, Greg Knapp, he passed away this past weekend. Um, died from injuries suffered after being hit by a car while biking last Saturday. 58 years old. Um, coached a ton of superstars. Steve McNair... Michael Vick were two of them. I can't remember the rest of the list, but... He, he was there with Steve Young as a 49er. That's where he got his start and had such a good relationship with him that uh, Steve Young, like, when they drafted Wilson, Steve Young was like, you have to bring this guy in. He did wonders for me after I took over from Montana. And I hate it as a dad. I hate it. I mean, yeah, you can hate it as a person, but it just sinks my heart you know I, I feel for his family and we moved from a biking community to Athens which a lot of students bike and stuff and it's just a car is bigger than a bike and you don't win and the only thing that I can say is I'm glad that what I read is the driver wasn't in under any influences and cooperating with the investment and a conversation that my wife as a counselor and I had is the person that hit him is is never going to be the same either. It's it's going to psychologically affect them the rest of their life. Just a terrible situation. Yeah, the uh, obviously there's no good words to say about this whole situation because it's about a person losing their life. But I think it's even worse being that it was a freak accident and it wasn't like a an illness that he had for a while and we all knew it was coming it was a freak thing that could happen to anybody at any time and i mean <clears throat> i've read so much about like what he was on the field obviously like you just said about how he coached uh steve young and mcnair and whoever else but uh I've also been reading about how much of a, like, a family guy he was off the field. Like, he was so dedicated to his kids, his wife, everybody. And he was even, like, a friend and a father figure to some of the players, too. So, uh, yeah, this is a big loss for not only the Jets, but the entire NFL. And players, like, from generations, because, as we've said, he's been in the league for however many years, probably 25 or so years at least. So, yeah, this affected a lot of people. For sure. Um, we're going to stick with the coaching route here. Two coaches today, uh, not fired, but <laughs> are out on their organizations. 
So, first off, first one reported today was Vikings offensive line coach slash run game coordinator Rick Dennison. Um, they are going to promote assistant offensive line coach Phil Rauscher to replace him. And then also just about an hour ago, I think it was, Patriots co-offensive line coach Cole Popovich also not going to coach this season with the Patriots. Uh, Carmen Bricolo or Brasillo uh, will take full full control of the offensive line. But both these guys not coaching with their teams this year because they don't want to get the vaccine. Um, so, like a lot of people keep saying, they're most likely not going to be the last ones that this happens to. So, I just think the whole situation is kind of stupid from both sides. I mean, obviously, like, if you don't want to get the vaccine, that's fine or whatever. But I just... And I get that the NFL is trying to incentivize people to get the vaccine with what they've been doing and with all this other stuff that's been going on in social media with, in regards to the vaccine in the NFL. But um, just like, I don't know, the, the fact that these two coaches, and like you said, Rusty, probably more to come, are not being able to coach because of this, I just think is a, it's just kind of stupid to me. Well, Rusty, you're going to go to law school, so I would ask you, borderline, is it unconstitutional? No. Like I said, because the reports have said they are out, and not that they have been fired. Uh, so, are I mean, are they going to give them the same on remotely? Are they giving them a nice severance package? Like I have... Here's- no clue about that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's obviously the NFL isn't requiring anyone to get it, but their COVID guidelines state that in order to essentially have full access of the facility as a tier one or tier two personnel, right. which. Right every single coach falls into the tier one category um which is the most important most important people in the building unconstitutional but it's almost like it's like playing someone's hand you know what i mean like if you want to be around here you got to get vaccinated yeah i mean i don't understand why people just don't do it it's not that big of a deal um i mean i didn't i wasn't planning on getting it until I had to, to go to Marquette this fall. Right. But again, it's just a shot. I understand if you have underlying conditions, that's a different story, but if you're a normal person, it's not that big of a deal. (laughs) So, if these guys are going to, you know, forfeit their rights to coach, that's, that's their issue. And I think, here's my thing about this. I'm not on either side of the fence. I I can see both sides, right? Like, I have empathy for both sides. And I, too, had to uh, get mine to continue to to work. And it was also my my kids, you know. 
But are the same standards going to be held for somebody like DeAndre Hopkins, who's worth millions of dollars and brings in fans? What if he blatantly just says, and he's at me, he doesn't want to, and I can understand it's your body, especially if you have the argument, I haven't been sick yet, and I've been around people with COVID. Like, yeah, that's I, the part of being in the one thing that I'm scared of in America, and I served in the military for is. people's rights so if you don't want to put something in the body in your body just because you don't agree with it like that's what we're founded on and we are making two two sides of people like i hope that they don't make us show proof one day like take people's words for it because there's nothing that says you have to or don't and as an employer the nfl can make their own rules but i would be I think it's going to come to a point like, okay, are we going to let this $30 million player in and not a coach? Like there's going to be some, it's going to get interesting, I guess is a good word. Yeah. And even, I mean, I had this line in a couple, uh, in like 30 seconds, but I'll just get to it now. Going off of that, the NFL did inform teams in a memo this week that, they're going to have to forfeit games if their team has an outbreak and they can't get the game or games rescheduled during the new 18-game schedule. So, which I don't, I don't think that there will be any forfeitures. We saw last season; it was tough, especially that Steelers-Ravens game that played on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But I thought the NFL uh, did a good job last season of getting games rescheduled because of COVID. So I don't mm-hmm. foresee any any forfeitures coming up this season, especially with what the numbers that they're putting out where the majority of teams are 85% or more vaccinated. So I agree, yeah. Plus they have that extra week this year to – uh, maneuver with so if there are any uh, cancellations of games I don't think it'll be a problem to reschedule it um, but yeah I don't think it's going to be I don't think in general there's going to be many outbreaks unless they uh, well I don't want to get too political with these things but I think it'll depend on what vaccine they're getting uh, because we saw it in baseball over the last couple weeks with the Yankees, they're all vaccinated, but they still got an outbreak going, but they all have the Johnson and Johnson shot, which is the least protective one, apparently. And so they had an outbreak going through their clubhouse this past week and a half. So, I mean, of all the teams that have the money. Yeah. So I guess it depends on what vaccine they really get to protect the spread of the virus or whatever but yeah i don't see it being a big problem for the nfl this year hey chris i got the johnson and johnson man (laughs) (laughs) plus the yankees suck anyways chris (laughs) (laughs) i i can't even say they don't this year because they do weren't they just on a four-game winning streak not to get sidetracked yeah, but then they lost an extra to Boston last night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, 
Next thing up on the NFL news docket here, Michael Kendricks finally had a resolution with his 2018 insider trading fiasco. He was sentenced to one day in jail. (laughs) What's the point? Three years probation and 300 hours of community service. (laughs) And now he is free to resume his NFL career, which he does want to continue to play. Uh, I don't have offhand how old he is. I know he's 30-something now. 32, 33. I, I, yeah. I, I would be the first one to argue, like, some people will say, oh, it's another athlete getting off. I don't look at it this way because he was a lot younger back then, and he was trying to save money, if that makes sense. And the guy that was, like, his money manager called him and said, hey, do this to do that to grow your money off your first or second contract. And I really do think it went down that way. I mean, it ended up being $1.2 million, which is significant amount of money. But I don't think it's one of those, like, a white person who's already rich getting all of these insider info like Bill Nicholson has. And I love Lefty. I like to watch him. Funny guy. But this guy was just trying to do right with the, with the contract that he had, and someone was helping him out. And he stood up and said, you know, I didn't think of it at the time. And then this money started rolling around. And I was like, oh, I don't think this many people make this much money off of it. So did I, is this right or wrong? I really do believe that at the time he was like, when he was giving him anything, he didn't realize what it was going to do. And then he saw the money and was like, mm, this is kind of sketchy. I really do think it's one of those types of things. Yeah, I just thought it was weird when what he got because you know when the case originally came out there were talks about major sentences because insider trading is such a a big crime um i don't remember the exact but i know it was probably at least five years in prison um but I think the guy that gave him the information was the one that got a lot of time. Because I also think he gave information to, like, other people, whether they were players or just mm-hmm. people that had money to, to trade, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was, like, since Kendrick was kind of like a puppet of sorts, it was the puppet master that really got the uh, – bad end of the deal there but yeah what is one day in jail really gonna teach him like i really don't think that there was any point to having any jail time if it was gonna only be one day right well you know you can be on probation you can say that but i think and what i read from this whole thing was he got a lot of letters across the nfl even from um people that you know, weren't his current teammates and other coaches and and people like people from the NFL wrote a lot of recommendation letters. Like I don't I don't think he like called this guy and was like, give me insider trading, please. It was one of those things that kind of fell on his lap. He'd never been in trouble before. Yeah. 
Yeah, he he's always been a, a good person as far as I knew. Um, definitely a good player. Please, Michael, come back to the Eagles. We we need you. <laughs> we need linebackers. <laughs> so we'll have to see uh, how his market pans out coming off the sentence. Um, I'm not sure exactly when that sentence got handed down, so I'm, I don't know when his one day in jail, if it already occurred or not. I don't know. But I'm sure he will have a market even being a little bit over 30. He still is solid, uh, a solid linebacker. So Next up, uh, ESPN. They have agreed to a partnership with Peyton Manning and his production company, Omaha Productions, for the next three NFL seasons. Uh, they will have 10 Monday Night Football megacasts per year on ESPN2 and ESPN+. And those megacasts will be headlined by the Manning brothers, Peyton and Eli. I don't know why Cooper's not involved. He's on their other show. <laughs> you gotta worry about He's his... always the forgotten brother. He's got to worry about his son's recruiting. All I have to say about this, and I'm long-winded. I'm not going to be long-winded on this. I'm excited. Peyton Manning, hilarious. If you've never tuned into him, you need to. I'm excited about this. Yeah, I I can't wait to watch Peyton Manning do a broadcast because not only is he funny, like Mark just said, but he's one of the most brilliant football minds that there ever has been. So I think it'll be even better than when Tony Romo's doing the games. Like, I, I'm amazed at how good Tony Romo is when he calls out the plays before they happen and all that other stuff. But I think Peyton Manning will do it times 10. Like, it'll just be so amazing watching Peyton Manning do these games. And um, two weeks ago, I may or may not have uh, met Archie Manning, Kirby Smart, and our new offensive lineman from the head coach of former head coach of Mississippi at All Good Lounge one night on a recruiting trip. Just saying. Archie Manning was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not sure about Eli. Uh, Eli's Eli's pretty quiet. So I mean I know I know Eli's grown his Twitter game the last couple years he's been out of the league. But uh we'll have to I see. How him and I think Peyton, his brother but... will bring out the best in him, right? Like, his brother's got to bring out the best in him. Especially now, I mean... I'm kind of surprised, though, that... I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he's able to do this, though, because isn't he still technically under contract with the Giants with that other job that he's doing with them? Yeah, uh, but... I wonder if that's... he got out of that, if that may. I wonder if he just said... I don't know. That's a good question. Well, he's not doing any on-field stuff though it's it's fan engagement so he yeah, doesn't, he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be in the building every day so all right we have training camp gentlemen it has begun the steelers cowboys and books all started reporting this week steelers and cowboys the first ones to report the Bucks just won a championship because they, because the Steelers and Cowboys are playing in the Hall of Fame game, the first preseason game this year, and every year, August fifth. 
Um, also on Tuesday, the Ravens, Bills, Jets, and Bucks rookies all reported to training camp. Um, not sure why I, those were the teams, but I don't know. Every team has different camp schedules, so. The, uh, I already went over that. Tom Brady. <laughs> we'll talk about Tom Brady even more here in a little bit, but his trainer, Alex Guerrero, famous Alex Guerrero, for butting heads with <laughs> the Patriots, <laughs> getting locked out of their facility. <laughs> um, he said he expects Tom Brady to play at least two more years. To fulfill Brady's wish of playing until he's 45 years old. Which brings into question, when we were doing the NFC South preview, Chris, and we talked about Kyle Trask, we're like, you know, Brady Brady just keep, you know, we, we had fun with saying Brady was going to keep playing and, and he would play out Kyle Trask's rookie contract, but now it could be real, like... As long as he doesn't get yeah. injured, we'll see what would stop him. Does that make sense? Like, what's going to stop him? No, but not even injury is going to stop him. He apparently played this whole last season with a torn MCL or whatever. So not even an injury is going to stop him. Yeah. I guess. You're right. I mean, I can't say you're wrong. I mean, I understand. Because if he plays this year and then two more after that, that is the first three out of four years of Kyle Trask's rookie contract. So the okay. Bucks would have one season to show so, what Kyle Trask let, is. Let me let me let me stop you there. Name like name the quarterbacks that are at the top of the three top quarterbacks in the league in your opinion. Tell me. I already know who they are. Is Aaron, it not Aaron Brady? Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. They all three have something in common, don't they? They all sat behind somebody. And even though he's going to play, I still think you have you find multiple snaps for him to show you what he can do. Does that make sense? I think you might end up with a really good quarterback who's learning under Brady. And, okay, you get... You, you give him snaps, Brady goes off in the sunset, you have one year, and to me as a GM or coach, that shows you show me what you can do in one year. That well, doesn't mean that you're not going to draft someone else behind Trask either, but I think it's a perfect situation to be in as a coach from a coaching standpoint. Well, that's the issue, though. Brady's never been a mentor. He's He does not like... To, I don't, I don't think that he has to, like, take him under his wing. Like, wouldn't Trask learn and observe? Like, I'm a big believer in you, you You learn by examples. Like, I don't need you having my arm around me. I'm going to learn what you do really well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see your eating habits. I'm going to see when you get to the facility. I'm going to – you're in the quarterback room. I'm, I'm writing down notes on whatever Brady says about this defense. <laughs> Brady will be like – Blaine, Blaine, go go teach Kyle something. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So then, so then, the underlying story when Kyle Trask is a superstar is that Blaine Gabbert was his mentor. 
<laughs> now, the one thing that I guess the other flip side is, does Trask want to, I mean, anybody can ask for a trade nowadays. So you could trade Trask in two years. You trade Trask next year well, if you want to. Yeah, I was going to say, I could see this being like a Brett Favre type situation where he was on Atlanta for a year and then they traded him. Trask could have a similar situation. Not saying he's going to turn into Favre, but Jimmy like, Garoppolo. I could see him sitting there for a year and then, <laughs> yeah, Garoppolo too. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel bad for Trask, especially because like. Rusty, I know you especially like Trask coming out of the draft. I was excited to maybe get to see him, but then he got drafted to the Bucks, and who knows when he's going to play. I'm telling you, without Pittman, with weird receivers I've never heard of at Florida, we were we were 50-yard line watching Trask. The dude can play some football, man. Yeah. You, you have to go to the right system. I don't care who you are. You have to find the right system in the NFL. Ask Chris Carter. Ask some people that were in bad situations and went to good situations. But he's got it. He's got everything. He's got the size. He's got the arm. He looked great in the pocket. I, he, to me, he can take a hit. I think the other issue that Trask could have whenever he finally does start Especially if it's for the Bucks, is Rust. does Rust. does Brady and Arians leave at the same time? You're right. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Is you can get real comfortable because Arians is is older. He came out of retirement, I think, knowing that he was going to get get Brady and yeah. If if he plays three more years, I believe Arians would be somewhere in the range of 72. Well, would you would you be comfortable thinking Byron Lefrich is is going to maybe be that top candidate and maybe they build, you know, the next Tampa Bay Buccaneers error? Yeah, I mean, if if, if they can keep him. Right, because right. Because for how much gonna, Arians has talked him up. People are going to want him. You're right. You're 100% right. Maybe the Steelers find a way to get Trask. That's I wanted that to happen, and the Steelers haven't drafted a freaking quarterback. Last I can two see years. him in some black <laughs> and gold easily. Well, like I said, the Steelers haven't freaking drafted a quarterback last two years that I've wanted. Yeah, to. but they don't. That they went and got uh, Dwayne Haskins. They're just gonna make you mad. Trust Who me. apparently is gonna be the third quarterback, and they're gonna let Josh Dobbs go again. So, uh. all right. The Bucks received their Super Bowl rings this week. Here they are. Uh, yeah, 319 total diamonds on the top here. Yo, that's nice. The final score, 31 to 9 over the Chiefs. That, that is a good-looking ring, y'all. They have their four scores from the playoffs, 31-21 over Washington, 30-20 to over New Orleans, 31-26. Can it screw off? Uh, it, it it pops off. Man, that I like maybe that. maybe it does maybe it does twist. I don't know. Well, what I mean, the top comes off is what I, I guess meant. Yeah, and it it says this historic thing right here. I I had to zoom in on my phone to read it, and uh, it essentially says they made history 
being the first ever team to win at their home stadium, Raymond James Stadium. So, hey, I don't know of any other ring that pops off like this. This is nice. I want to know what I want to know is is this stadium like oh, it's it, is, is it depth? Is it depth? Hundred <laughs> percent that you can put like a pinky or something there. Hundred percent. That's like, all this, I want to know. <laughs> this was innovating, and if we, you and I both have seen his recent picture where the only rings are his thumbs that he needs, and it's it's uh, it might be the best ring, good, best looking ring That's he has. I, I love that they put three hundred and nineteen. I love those little, you know. Charades, charades that they, charades they put in their <laughs> rings. Three hundred nineteen diamonds, thirty-one to nine. I love yeah. when teams do that. Yeah, I, I'm trying to find um, the, the Bra- picture, the Brady with with his rings, because it literally was just up on my Twitter feed a little bit ago. Um, Actually, just saw it. You gotta go to Instagram. I just gotta see who it's from. It's right here. <laughs> it was literally just right here. I don't. I don't know. Remember who uh, who had it on though. It's balling. It makes me rethink the the goat of all time might not be Michael Jordan. Yeah. But Michael Jordan didn't lose in a finals game, so I'm I'm gonna stick with Jordan. Yeah, I don't know who had it on. I don't know where it went. So. Sports Center Instagram. <laughs> look, at, look at that Dallas Cowboys Tom Brady. <laughs> oh my gosh. Big David Tom. Oh gosh. I don't know. I don't, we're, we're just not going to find it. It's fine. I don't know what happened to Chris. It was a ball in picture, I'm telling you. Go to go to your Instagram, Sports Center. That's fine. This is the FAA one, but that's fine. There it is. I told you. Is that not just a goat? Look at that thing, son. Dang. Oh, there's him getting the... With left, which... <laughs> Shady, yeah. Shady comes into the picture, which I find funny. Needs three more to fill out the hands. And he, he will play three more years. It ain't happening unless the NFL hands it to him. Like they did last year. <laughs> I'm just saying that the Jaguars should have been in a Super Bowl. I'm just going to throw that out there, but it wouldn't have made the NFL a lot of money. Let's move on. All right. So, uh, the Packers situation. Even worse now. Devontae Adams. The the Packers apparently offered quarterback Aaron Rodgers a two year extension 
this summer that would have made him the highest paid player and quarterback. I should have said that the other way. Quarterback and player. And tied him to the Packers for the next five years, most likely ending his career in Green Bay. <laughs> he declined that, obviously. Just do, just do the Mutumbo way. And the long-term talks have also deteriorated with number one wide receiver Devontae Adams. So, and he's a free agent next offseason. To me, that, to me, that's not a surprise because if you go back in our archives or the ESPN archives, Devontae Adams specifically said, I will not make a decision unless it's in line with Aaron Rodgers. You guys can quote me and look it up. But he, he said, I, I, that's my guy, and this organization needs to roll with my guy. Yeah, I, I don't blame him. <laughs> but, yeah, they, they could be looking at trading Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams leaving in free agency next offseason. Which makes them uh, really relevant, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, now that we're getting into training camp, teams are starting to utilize the non-football injury, physically unable to perform, and reserve COVID lists. Players on these right now, that just a couple anyways. I know there's a lot more, but... NFI list, uh, Jags undrafted free agent linebacker Dylan Moses. That's because of a knee injury at Alabama. Jet safety Marcus May and defensive end Vinnie Curry. I really wanted to see what Chris's thoughts were on Marcus May being on NFI to start training camp. But like I said, I don't know what happened to Chris. So. Uh, on the, we love you, buddy. We miss you. On the pup list... For the Cowboys, wide receiver Amari Cooper, that's an ankle. Defensive end Demarcus Lawrence, that's a back. Uh, defensive tackle Tristan Hill, a knee. And kicker Greg Zerline, that is also a back injury. Where is Zerline now? The Cowboys. Gotcha. Yeah, all those guys are the Cowboys. For the Giants, running back Saquon Barkley, he's coming off ACL injury last year. Tight end Kyle Rudolph, coming off foot surgery. Uh, offensive tackle Matt Peart. Uh, it's a back injury. Linebacker O'Shane Zimenez, hamstring. And rookie corner Aaron Robinson. That's a core muscle issue. The Patriots, they put corner Stephon Gilmore on the pup list. Ravens did the same with offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley coming off his ACL injury. And then the Jets also placed defensive tackle Quinnen Williams on the pup list because of his foot issue. <clears throat> and then on the reserve COVID list, Giants first round wide receiver Kadarius Toney, he tested positive. So did Jags quarterback Jake Luton. Uh, the Jags also placed 2020 first-round corner C.J. Henderson on the COVID list. And the Bucks placed safe, starting safety Jordan Whitehead on the COVID list, and he will miss the start of training camp because of that. 
Chris. <laughs> right after I get done talking about the Jets players. <laughs> he must have been in the facility. <laughs> no, Chris, I was just talking about the NFI, the pup, and the COVID lists, and that a couple of Jets were on there. Specifically, Marcus May on the NFI list, um, as well as Vinnie Curry. <laughs> I don't know what uh, happened with Curry, but I wonder if uh, the Marcus May thing has anything to do with him not being or not being uh, extended or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then also, Quinnen Williams is starting camp on the pup list because of his foot issue. Oh well. <laughs> couple of veteran news uh i was confused when this happened but the steelers their linebacker vince williams he retired this week the reason i was confused uh, because they re-signed him this offseason he's not that old but i do agree it, it was time for vince williams he was probably the slowest inside linebacker in the league <laughs> But, I mean, he, he was an old-school linebacker, though. He is big, bulky, and a two-down run stuffer. That's what Vince Williams was. So. Yeah, that was just very odd timing for him, though, because it was right before training camp and all that. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, maybe he figured that he wasn't going to make the team anyway or something. Who knows? Well, Mark, Mark can probably say something about this, uh, that 30-something-year-old going into – training camp feeling like he can't perform <laughs> hey, you be quiet let me here too I, I hey i can tell you when i felt a big decline i was actually playing for a traveling navy basketball team overseas and about 32 no 30 to my 31 year if you're not investing millions of dollars in your body, it's like a straight decline. Boom. <laughs> like I said, your mind it... will still think like you're 23 and you can get there, and then some 25 year old will run past you, and you're like, "What? Am I that slow? What's going on?" Like I said, ever since I've known and watched Vince Williams on the Steelers, he's always been super slow. And like I said before, he was built as an old school linebacker when he came into the league in the late 2000s. And he carved out a, a very good career being a former sixth round pick. Um, so. Can we just get <laughs> some old film? Uh, I haven't seen Harrison working out. Gosh darn. I haven't seen Harrison. James Harrison working out in a while, and I just missed his workout videos, y'all. That dude is a straight beast. Yeah. <laughs> He's his own breed. There's nobody like him. Uh, a couple of vets coming back from surgery. Uh, former Bengals defensive tackle Geno Atkins and former Panthers defensive tackle Kawan Short. Kawan Short. Uh, 
Atkins had rotator cuff surgery. Short had it just had general shoulder surgery. So both having shoulder surgeries. Um, I believe both should be signing relatively soon with teams. Both have interest. Um, they're similar players. Again, like I said, we we're going to talk vets. So both guys uh, One's in, a their low, in their low 30s um, looking to – I think Atkins is the better player. but Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> It's going to be weird seeing him not he in a Bengals uniform. He's a Georgia guy. going to be weird seeing him not in a Bengals uniform. So, Another defensive tackle news. Start. Uh, we're going to go through some injuries here. The Vikings defense tackle Michael Pierce, he suffered a calf injury. Uh, probably not going to be able to start camp on time. I would assume he would be placed on the NFI list considering he injured it working out so and the big one or not the big one but the second biggest one the saints wide receiver michael thomas he's expected to miss the start of the season probably the first month or so after undergoing ankle surgery last month four months is the recommended recovery timeline and the saints could be working out some some receivers soon and chris this this just, you know, extrapolates or, you know, whatever. I don't know what word to use. But, you know, it just expands the Saints issues that we've been talking about ever since we did our NFC South show. Mm-hmm. Could they finish below the Falcons? No. No, they're still, <laughs> their defense is still good enough to carry them. Are you sure? Yeah. I think that they could still at least – get a winning record playoffs i'm not sure about now but i think they could still at least get a winning record um but yeah like you said rusty having or not having thomas for the first quarter of the season is a big hit although it could also be a little bit of a blessing in disguise because i feel like i mean not that they really had him last year a lot but now it gives whoever the starting quarterback will be the chance to try out the other receivers and see if he can kind of uh, build some chemistry with the other guys. And it gives Traquan Smith, uh, I mean, I really, I don't think he's a number one, obviously, but mm-hmm. it gives him a chance to show what he's got as the premier receiver in the first quarter of the season. <laughs> like I said, the wide receiver depth is so thin with New Orleans, just like the linebacker depth is. And I, I remember saying this on the NFC South show, that if Michael Thomas got hurt, they were screwed. <laughs> Alvin Kamara will, be, will have to become their leading receiver. That's how it's going to have to go. Because like you said, Traquan Smith is not a number one receiver. 100% agree with that statement. He has to. Kamara. And looking at their first four games, real they could go one and three. They really could. No, I, I, I'm, I'm not lying to you guys. I really think they could be the last team in the division. Because, you know, it's they host the Packers week one. 
the issue with that, obviously, we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. So, might not that, so they could. Devontae so Adams could, at this point might not might not play either. So no, he'll play. Uh, he just <laughs> might not show up to camp on time. But like I said, the, the Panthers are going to beat him week two anyways, regardless of Michael Thomas or not. And then they have to go to New England against that defense. You know, that defense is going to shut whoever is that quarterback down. And then, you know, Cam might just do enough to, to beat them in Foxborough. Then they host the Giants. So that that's the guaranteed win I have in their first four without Michael Thomas. Which even that, though, is not... I, I still think that they can... I know you're a Panther fan. I know I'm a Saints fan, so we're never going to agree on this, but I think that the Saints can win that game against Carolina. I, I think that Sean Payton is a very competent coach. I think he gets a little too much uh, media attention because, like, I think Mike Tomlin should get as much as he does. If you look at their records... They're exactly the same, but Tomlin doesn't get put on the pedestal. I've said this. But they have a culture down there. I, I think he gets fun with his game plan. I think he might even get more fun without Drew Brees. But I actually think that is the hardest division to depict. I wasn't on the show, and so I'm not going to drag, drag it on. But I don't think – I think after the Buccaneers, I think it's a toss-up each week of how those three other teams play. I really do. Because Matt Ryan is seasoned. He's lost Julio. But you just don't know if they get a better culture. I think that what Panthers are doing, it's unheard of of what they've done with Matt Rule. But I think it's a changed year. I, I think they can find themselves at the bottom of the pile. I really do. Falcons defense is just trash, so that's that's why that's why Chris and <laughs> yeah, I have that. But you just don't know if they're going to score like lights out. Like, what if they do? I don't think they have the guns on offense to score lights out. But. All right. So, like I said, Michael Thomas is the second biggest injury. The biggest one that happened this week. Rams running back Cam Akers. He suffered a torn Achilles while working out. He is done for the year. Their depth, which we'll get, we'll talk about when we get to the NFC West preview. Depth chart includes Daryl Henderson, who is the new starter now, Raymond Calais, and their rookie Jake Funk. Uh, free agent running backs right now: Adrian Peterson, Duke Johnson, Deion Lewis, Lashawn McCoy, Le'Veon Bell. I think Le'Veon would be a fantastic fit for them. Well. There's another guy that you didn't mention yet that I think would be a perfect fit. I know be exactly who you're going to say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Is he uh, TG3? Bring him back. Who? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I only have a dog really back for him. I, I didn't actually think you were going to say him, even though that makes sense. But... I thought you were going to well, go with your old friend, Chris. Well, why don't we bring back Dickerson, too? Jeez. Chris, I thought, I thought you were going to say your old friend, Mr. Gore. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> please don't. They will. They're going to do. Now that you said that, that's what's going to happen. 
yeah, I don't know. I, I like Adrian Peterson. I mean, he he hasn't really slowed down too much when he was with Washington. So, I mean, he just got beat out by Antonio Gibson. That was the only issue. I mean, Well, my question is, what do you think the need is? Do you need an every down back? Or does my man offense more like a counter attack and we already know that he throws out to running backs so if you need an every down back every day down back i actually think even though he's old adrian peterson is a great fit but you have to get a catching back and well go ahead yeah well i mean daryl henderson can do that cam Akers is definitely better at catching the ball but um, Where is it? Raymond Calais could be that guy. It's just he's never been a a big offense guy. He's been a returner most of his short career when he was with the the Cardinals and now the Rams. But uh, I like Jake Funk. Jake Funk coming out of Maryland this year, sixth round pick. Well, and, I just there's a lot of people out there right that are big names you see with sean mccoy he, he he's picking up a ring and didn't do much like you could go in that direction right because he was a a you know handoff and catchback then you talk about Le'Veon bell well was he in the right system so my question with the rams is what what are we really looking for if you're looking for somebody to hand it off and that has strength I still think Adrian Peterson fits that mold, and I think it's easier to find somebody that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. If you wanted to reunite Matt Stafford and Todd Gurley, do it, but if you're going to do that, sign Duke Johnson at the same time. Okay. Which I guess we'll get to. We 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 opened up a can of worms without getting to the can of worms. The Niners handing out big money. They signed linebacker Fred Warner to a five-year, ninety-five million dollar extension, forty and a half million guaranteed. He is now the highest-paid inside linebacker. Darius Leonard is the next inside backer up for the next extension. So. Well, I think he'll exceed that. I did the report that, that I read was he's going to exceed that. Yeah, Fred Warner, yeah. interesting third round pick. Um, BYU, I believe. So, massive pay raise for a former third round pick. Yeah. Can't complain. Yeah. Yeah, him and him and Darius Leonard are definitely the best two inside linebackers in the league right now. Mm. <clears throat> well, people I think forget that it's a it's a craft, right? Like it's a like you can be the best mechanic in your town. You can be you can be the teacher of the year, right? Well these these are the guys that are the best at what they do and they're getting paid. Some other, uh, some free agency signings here. The first one I was very excited about when it came across. 
The Steelers, they signed linebacker Melvin Ingram to a one-year deal. He had interest from the Chiefs and the Dolphins as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I was super hyped with Melvin Ingram coming to Pittsburgh. I think that's a good fit. It will help alleviate the Bud Dupree uh, departure. I was kind of confused because I thought they were all in on letting Alex Highsmith take the reins opposite of TJ Watt. But we still have yet to see what Ingram's role will be, if he's going to be the starter or if he's going to just be in the three-man rotation with him, Watt, and Highsmith. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what he's probably better suited for at this point. Um, obviously, he's been a great <clears throat> linebacker with in his career with the Chargers, but he's a little on the older side now, and he, he uh, I mean, I feel like there's a reason why it took him this long to find a new home in the NFL. So, yeah, I just I don't think that he has what it takes to be the every day, every down starting linebacker, uh, especially too. Like you said, the the Steelers have somebody in house already that they believe in, and I think that I think Ingram's kind of just there for the rotational depth piece. Alex Highsmith, another former third round pick. He comes out of Charlotte, though. <laughs> He's a 49er at heart. <laughs> uh, the Chiefs, they, they re-signed free agent pass rusher Alex Okafor to a one-year deal. Will help them in their need to get pass rush for Kansas. Third year straight, they signed him to a one-year deal, if I'm wrong. <laughs> I believe so, yeah. I know it's definitely two years in a row. That's one-year deal. But he just keeps going back to Spags. So. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. If they don't have any injuries, the Chiefs are, are still really good. God. <clears throat> yeah, and in the rotation with Frank Clark, and I can't think of who the other edge is. But. They, they really are built. The Dolphins, they signed former Seahawks linebacker Shaquem Griffin to a one-year deal. Going to help them on special teams. Um, I highly doubt he gets much on defense, considering how built they are at linebacker. Uh, but definitely Shaquem Griffin will help the Dolphins on special teams like he did in Seattle. And good, good for him. Keep, keeps getting jobs. I agree. I agree. I think, I think I think it's you know, I, that's a good pickup in my mind. I don't care if he just plays special teams. Like we talked about, what football is? It's best field position, right? You have to have players that are really. It's like being a basketball coach. You have to have a really good shooter. You have to have a really good rebounder, or someone that that just can guard somebody and get down and doesn't care about scoring. This guy fits what they're they're doing moving forward yeah and like i said good good for him getting jobs with still having only one hand so wouldn't wouldn't you love to to be in the league getting jobs right yeah 
some visits and workouts here to end NFL news. Uh, so line, free agent linebacker Quan Alexander, he's visited with the Saints, who he played for last year. Chris, you hope any re-signs? Yeah, at this point, anybody will help. Like you said, the <laughs> linebacker depth for the Saints is horrendous. But maybe they should try him out at receiver, see how that works first. And then see, uh, then maybe sign him as a linebacker. Well, you could, you could call Tim Tebow. He might be able to lineback for you guys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the... Bengals, they hosted Chiefs center Austin Ryder for a visit. I think that would be a fantastic signing for the Cincinnati, getting them some center depth as well as more, even more protection for Joey B up there. The Cowboys, they hosted safety Malik Hooker for a visit. This is his second visit in Dallas. Uh, they said that he's most likely going to sign if everything goes well, Cowboys have an obvious need at safety. So getting a former first-round pick should help. Anyways. And a couple workouts here. The Giants, they worked out running back slash returner Tyler Irvin. Um, I can't think off the top of my head who their returners are, but... Tyler Irvin, one of the better ones in the league, especially kick returner. I don't think he returns punts, but I know he definitely returns kicks and is is a good um, third down change of pace back if you need him on offense like he was for the Packers. I think the Giants actually might surprise some people this year. Hey, if Barkley could stay healthy, I think that they'll have a pretty good offense, but... Well, well, that also goes for Kenny Galladay, too. But Their defense is going to be – but I actually think, you know, I wish I was on those shows and I wasn't able to be. And I won't – it's not a long thing. I just think that if if he can get some protection up front, they're going to be able to s- score points. Does that make sense? I don't know what they're going to be able to do stopping points, but I think – you could see a better version under center than you've ever seen with with people protecting them. They're you know they're they're rookie from UGA is getting it got better over the season. I think it could be a better football team. Doesn't mean that they're going to win the division or anything, but they could steal some games. Yeah, defense is pretty solid for New York, especially how they played down the stretch last year. Offense is a different story, but last but that, one. I guess that's what I'm saying is I think their offense might be better, if that makes sense. I'm not saying it's going to be world beaters, but they could steal some games here and there depending on the protection. And who. And if you get a good returner, your field position is better, right? Yeah. Uh, the last workout here, the Vikings, they worked out – Jags wide receiver D.D. Westbrook. Nothing really to say about that. But. <laughs> All right. Let's finally get into our NSC West season preview. We're starting with Mark's Rams. Oh, gosh. So, Mark. 
what do you like to go or or you know do the schedule get our records then we'll do the depth chart fantasy aspects I'll, I'll I'll just chime in. You guys, we're only going to put two records up there, so. All right. I'll just interject. I guarantee you that I probably will agree with most picks. My winner might be different than you guys, but let's roll. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guys roll with this. All right. So, I have the Rams going twelve and five, four and two in the division. Uh, week one is Sunday night football. Yes, against, sir. Against the Bears at home. It is the return, or the first time fans are going to be in SoFi Stadium. So they will have that rocking in L.A. That's a win. I have them beating Indianapolis in Indianapolis week two. I don't think Carson Wentz is going to be up to speed at that point. So, uh, Week 3 is a loss. That is home, but it is against the defending Super Bowl champs. I don't think they're going to win that one. They beat the Cardinals Week 4. Uh, then they go to Seattle. That's a loss on Thursday night football. I don't like to turn around either. I don't like that turnaround. They they beat the Giants in East Rutherford. Um, <clears throat> come home, they beat the Lions. The the Matthew Stafford revenge game. They'll they're gonna put up fifty points on the Lions that day at SoFi. <laughs> uh, they go to the Texans. That's a win. Host the Titans. That is a win. Uh, that is Sunday Night Football once again. Monday Night Football uh, at the Niners. That's a loss. So they go into bye week 11 at 7-3. and three, Pretty solid. Having hopes still of probably the number one seed. Uh, I, think they, I think they also trade. I think they make a trade depending on their... If that makes sense, I don't, you can take it or leave it. I think they make one trade this season, depending on their record. With what? Cash? They don't have any first. <laughs> we know they don't have any first rounders, and so depending on how they played up to this point is going to determine the trade deadline. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buying or selling? Yeah, I wasn't sure. Which... You see what I'm like? We're going to get some things off the books and try to get some draft picks or they're going to, I really believe the Rams will throw every, they might sell their entire future for even five years after no, no first rounders to say that we're going to try to get Matthew Stafford in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. That's what they like, I think. I think they'll give away the future even more. Yeah. That's what they've been doing. And you have that stadium, and you're trying to make money out of the pandemic. So you better be. I guess what I'm agreeing with you is you better be seven and three. Otherwise, you're. I think they're going to make a trade. It may be something small to set them up, or they could be sellers if that makes sense. Everybody but Aaron Donald. 
is on the books. You know, like they might even trade Matthew Stafford if it's not going well. Like who wants Matthew Stafford at this point? Let's say that you're 500. I could see them selling. Not for another three first round picks. <laughs> no, no, but you know, you, you get my drift. All right, uh, coming out of the bye, I have them going to Green Bay. That is a loss, obviously, again. As long as Aaron Rodgers is quarterback. Matthew Stafford just can't beat Rodgers in Green Bay. <laughs> <laughs> can't beat Rodgers, period, actually. Uh, he, he has, I believe. I'm not sure what their record is. but uh, They host the Jags. That is a win. They win in Arizona. On Monday Night Football. I don't agree with that. Uh, they beat the Seahawks week 15. Beat the Vikings in Minnesota. Uh, and then they lose in Baltimore. They beat the Niners week 18. 12-5, and 4-2. I, I, I agree with that. I think they go 1-1 one one with the Cardinals. Uh, my key games... Week one, just because it's Sunday night. Uh, week two at the Colts. think that's a massive win against a playoff team. Bucks is is a tough game, but I have them losing. I think all six of their NFC West games are pretty huge. Uh, and then the only other ones, yeah, at Seattle week five. That's Thursday night football. I don't have the times for the Week 7 Lions game or the Week 10 Niners game. Uh, I think the Titans, Week 9, that's a big one. Again, on Sunday night, Packers game is also massive at Lambeau. So I think those are the... And then, yeah, the Ravens game in Baltimore as well. I, I mean, I'm, I'm piggybacking off you. I think they go 11 and 5. 11 and 6? 11 and 6, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I think I go 11 and 6. Yeah, I think I have them around 500 in my key games. Uh, I didn't actually count, but... Chris, go ahead. Your Rams prediction... Well, I did the, my uh, my picks before the show started, so I knew what to say and stuff. So I just don't remember exactly who I picked them to beat, but I had the same record as you, it was 12 and 5. Um, but I do know that I had them going 3 and 3 in the division, winning all three home games and losing all three away. Uh, and then. <clears throat> I believe I had them losing to the Titans and the Packers. I think that was my five losses for them. Um, but, yeah, so, like you said, though, all six of their division games are huge games because I think that the NFC West is quite possibly the toughest division in all of football. Um so all those games are going to be important. Um, and I think that's also why I don't think anybody's going to really have a large lead in the division, especially when it comes to the head-to-head -head games. Um, but, yeah, 
I think they go 12 and five and I think it comes down to the last week of the season to see who uh, wins this division. And, and that's what they, that's what as a fan or the NFL would want, right? Like it's been like that before and it's really exciting to see the last game. I would say they go one and one against Arizona. I think Arizona has some good upgrades. I think that someone has to, they're, they're, when I say someone, their quarterback has to take a leap forward. And I would actually say that a game, even if Aaron Rodgers is playing, I think that that's a game that they actually need to win because that is his best friend as a head coach. And they didn't win last year in Green Bay. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I think that's a game that maybe he circles on the calendar and they really prepare for. And that's a game, I'm not saying that they're going to win it. I think it's a game that they could steal. And the thing about the Rams is they always drop a game like they look really good, right? As a fan, they look really good from a coaching standpoint. They look good under center. And they always have one game where it's like, did they all go out on on West Hollywood Boulevard and do something to forget what they were doing? And they drop a game that everybody goes, well, crap, what is this team about? And then they bounce back again. And so those are like the Thursday night games. I don't like their turnaround. They've never been good in turnaround games. And we're only one game off. But would I be surprised if they only won 10 games? No, because of the division they play in, right? Yeah. Hey, Mark, are you referring to the game last year against the Jets? Uh, I mean, we don't really have to talk about it. But <laughs> we want to talk about it. I mean, and that makes it those games where they do go out east, like, do you pick them? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Depends. Depends how the turf is. Be, at my life. I would be shocked if they didn't win ten games. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I would be shocked if they won twelve. Like twelve games is great. That means that there was no injuries, there were no complications in their game plan. So I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if they won ten games. It depends how oh, the turf is at MetLife, right, Chris? <laughs> yeah, but also side note, I had made my uh, my predictions prior to the Cam Akers injury, so if they don't get that figured out, I could see them going down to nine or ten wins. But depending on who they sign or if they don't sign anybody, and this other guy that they have actually works out, then yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Everybody in this division might win nine games. That's weird. That's just. I think Daryl Henderson is capable, and then they sign a running back before preseason's over, or even right before the season starts when when vets are going to get cut. Well, quality I was, vets. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but it kind of just uh, a light bulb kind of just went off in my head. Do you, Rusty? Do you think that Carryon Johnson actually stays on the Eagles, or do you think he's going to be a roster cut i'm not sure like i said i think it's either jordan howard or carry on uh, if carry on does get cut stafford they'll probably ask stafford if he liked him in detroit 
I don't think he did. And if he did, then I can see him <laughs> getting signed with the Rams out there. I don't think he did, though. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I can see, like, the familiarity. Here's here's another thing that you have to take in consideration. I can see them picking up Todd Gurley week four or or later in the season and him being, like, totally rejuvenated and giving them – at, at, at the greatest three great games where they win, right? And maybe he tailors off that. Like, there's a lot of options. I think I think the and, Todd Gurley thing comes with a lot of baggage. Baggy. Yeah, yeah. Because, obviously, he would probably love to be reunited with Matt Stafford, is, you know. But at the same time... Who knows what his relationship is with Sean McVay, Les Snead. That was not the cleanest exit. Not not by any means. So, uh, I, and I don't think that's a... I, it could be any veteran running back that might be on the market. Maybe think about their Super Bowl run. They picked up someone that was pretty much written off, and he had a good playoff <laughs> run. You could, you could do that again... In, in later weeks of the season. CJ. <laughs> CJ Anderson. All right, depth chart. Depth chart-wise here, let's start off, obviously. Quarterback, Matthew Stafford coming over from the Lions. I agree with everyone. I mean, it makes him a Super Bowl contender. He's by far an upgrade over Jared Goff. I know that's Mark's favorite quarterback. Um <laughs> But, uh, Mark, have you ordered your Matthew Stafford jersey yet? Um, I don't wear jerseys of other guys, but I'm pretty excited if he stays healthy. My only thing is, like, what if he goes down in week three? I think that we could find ourselves at the bottom of the division, honestly. Even and, yes, he, he's got a good track record, but, like, what if the back flares up? Or just, even- it could be anything. Even with playoff superstar John Wolford as as the backup, <laughs> uh, I think that there wasn't a lot of game film on him at that time. So, I guarantee you, every team is preparing for two quarterbacks this year. I just think it, you know it, Matthew Stafford deserves it. He he, he gave he so a- much to Detroit, only got him to the playoffs one time. Um. But the dude is tough as nails. That's all I gotta say. Like, if there's anyone that can endure the NFL at at, at his age and what he gave to Detroit, he's gonna be hungry. It it should be a good relationship. Yeah. The 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 video of him that one game. I don't remember what season it was. It was one of his earlier years, where he friggin separated his shoulder after getting hit. Yeah. Went back in the game the next play and threw a freaking touchdown. I want to say it was against the Cowboys, but I shouldn't say that in case I'm wrong, but I really do think it was against the Cowboys. (laughs) No, it was the Browns. The Browns. The Browns in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm excited. I just, as a Georgia fan and – the only thing I'm not excited about it with the Rams is I hate their front office. I think Rusty should just be GM right now. That's just my opinion, but Less I'm excited, but it's a tough division. It's a 
Yeah. All right, running back. Now, this is probably going to be the longest thing on, on the Rams roster. So, <laughs> Daryl Henderson, now the starter with Akers going down. Uh, they also have Xavier Jones as an undrafted free agent from last year. Didn't play oh. with anyone. Um, or played with the Rams, but didn't play on offense. Uh, seventh round rookie out of Maryland, Jake Funk. And then uh, 2027 20, round pick with the Bucks, uh, Raymond Calais. So, like I said, Jake Funk, I watched him in Maryland this past year. He's not terrible. It's just nothing really pops when you watch Jake Funk. He's a good guy, tough. I don't have his measurables in front of me, but he was a part of the Talia Tagovailoa game and I'm blanking hard on who that game was against that Maryland beat them 45 to 44 in overtime but I can't think I don't remember either I just remember it was hype at the time and I had bet Maryland money line when they started coming back <laughs> Oh, oh, we were watching it together. Yeah. I know exactly. Oh. Was it Penn State, was it? What? Was it Penn State, was no. it? No. no. Gosh, we were watching it right here. I remember. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't It doesn't matter. It's fine. But yeah, he was a part of that. But like I said, I think Daryl Henderson is fine. I, I think, you know, they drafted him in the third round a couple years ago. 2018, I believe. Cam Akers was second yeah. round in 2019. I think he'll I be fine. I have no problem with him. He's he's a Memphis running back, and we know how they do in the NFL. So <laughs> it's just, I agree. I agree. You give him more of a load and see what happens. Yeah. It's just if he gets hurt, then there's an issue. But. Right now, I think they'll be okay. They'll they're probably gonna put him on ice, barely play him in the preseason. <laughs> I would think, uh, but yeah, they're gonna sign someone eventually, whether that's during the preseason or right before the season, or like Mark said, possibly even first couple weeks in the regular season. Uh, wideouts. Deshaun Jackson coming over from the Eagles. Who knows what he actually has left. I mean, he's 34 now, I believe. So, he definitely fills the the speed role that they needed. You know, after Brandon Cooks left. So... I don't know. You know, I got two things on Deshaun Jackson. Love him downfield. And if Matthew Stafford can come out in a post-game interview with his clothes on, everything's going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go look that clip up because it's hilarious. The other two wideouts I wanted to talk about for the Rams depth chart 
where two rookies, second round pick Tutu Atwell out of Louisville, and seventh round pick Ben Skaronic out of Notre Dame. I think both make the roster, you know, as long as they keep six and not five, uh, which most teams keep six. So, Tutu, I think, is going to, you know, both aren't going to do much this year because they have Van Jefferson in front of them and obviously Woods and Cup and Jackson. But, you know, I think Tutu's in a great spot. Deshaun Jackson's going to play there this year. Tutu's going to learn from him. And then I think Tutu is going to take over next season as their deep threat. Uh, Skaronic, I love him. I thought that was a diamond in the rough for Les Snead in the seventh round. Massive frame, 6'4", 200 plus. Uh, can go up, be the jump ball guy that, that Matthew Stafford has always had in Detroit with Megatron and then Kenny Galladay. He's always had a big guy, and Woods and Cup aren't the biggest, especially Cup. Cup's not, he's like 5'10 or something like that. But Ben Skaronic, if he would get a chance, I think that would, Matthew Stafford would love having him on the field. I mean, I have to reverberate what you're saying. I think that was two great pickups. And I would even talk about the seventh rounder even more like I was in the stands when book was throwing the ball up to him and he was catching it in Sanford. And I was like, this guy, you know, he was didn't get a lot of national attention and whatnot, but he went up and got some balls against two cornerbacks that are in the league now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great steal in the seventh round. And I do agree with you. I think that if, Tutu can, you know, learn from Deshaun Jackson. I think he has a place on the roster going forward. And I think this all hinges on Cooper Cup was really good before he got a knee injury. He had his knee injury. He came back and he was he was the same player or people didn't think he was going to be as the same player and he had a great year. Is What are they going to do defensively against him? So is that going to open up Deshaun? Is that going to open up Woods? Is it going to bring in somebody that they just drafted? Because you have to throw more shade his way. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But I think it, I think they're in a good place from the wideout standpoint. I think that's what um, he does well as a coach, right? He can put his running back in space. He can put his receivers in space. So what do you do when people change things defensively? And who do you have in your back pocket? Yeah, we'll definitely talk more about that in a little bit when we talk about Rams' fantasy outlook. Tight ends. Uh, Two things. Tyler Higbee is now the only starter. They don't have a dual tight end system anymore. Gerald Everett's in Seattle, which we'll talk about. I got Tyler Higby in. Well, actually, I'll save that. <laughs> that that goes into fantasy. But, anyways, the other tight end I want to talk about is their third stringer right now, Bryson Hopkins, fourth round pick last year, out of Virginia, I believe. No, Purdue. Purdue, I think. I could be wrong. 
Because there's another guy that was Purdue that I might be thinking about, but... No, I think Bryson Hopkins was Purdue, though. Anyways. I liked him coming out of there. Uh, I think... I thought he was solid. I have no idea why he wouldn't be the number two. Uh, Johnny Munt is... The Mund is the second guy right now. But I have no clue <laughs> what they're going to do it behind Tyler Higby. So. They've never been really strong on the tight end front. I mean, you think about Cook, and he was solid, he was solid for us, and then he went to the Packers, right? And Higby came in, but you never had like a one A and one B. It was like let's just fill this role. Yeah. But I think now with a guy like Matthew Stafford as the quarterback, I mean he had mm. a guy. He had T.J. Hawkinson there in uh, in Detroit, and he used him a lot. So I think that having a quarterback like Matthew Stafford is going to just elevate uh, Higby's. Uh, play on the field. For sure. For sure. He had, he had Ebron there for a few years, which I don't yeah, know panned out really the way Detroit saw him, but he was still solid, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to talk about with the offensive line. Same five guys coming back this year, and uh, all their backups have been with the Rams. So don't have anything to say there. Defense, I don't have anything to talk about their starters, but I do have a couple guys backups that I want to talk about. Uh, left defensive end, third string right now anyways. Ernest Brown, the fourth. Fifth round rookie out of Northwestern this year. I don't have much to say about him. I didn't really notice him too much on a solid Northwestern defense. So... Uh, the second guy is backup nose tackle Bobby Brown, the third, fourth rounder out of Texas A&M this year. He I knew a little bit more about. I, I saw him some on A&M this year. Again, not didn't notice him too much, though. So, yeah, I do like their their nose tackle depth though. Ashawn Robinson, Bobby Brown, and then Greg Gaines. That's a <laughs> really good three threesome at the nose tackle spot. Uh, let's go to linebacker. Just have one guy. It's a rookie, third rounder out of South Carolina, Ernest Jones. Again, another guy that I didn't notice a lot even watching SEC football last this past season. Uh, but a, a surprise as a third-rounder. I know he was rising a little bit in the pre-draft, but I just had not seen him that much. And then secondary, two corners, uh, fourth-round rookie Robert Rochelle out of Central Arkansas. Yeah. Another guy, <laughs> the Rams just drafted all guys that I really didn't take too much of a notice to uh, this past season, especially at Central Arkansas because, you know, 
we didn't really start watching FCS until they had the spring season, and obviously he didn't play in that. So he must have had a good combine. Yeah, uh, I think. Well, he did. He did play, I believe, in the Trey Lance, the Trey Lance game that Central Arkansas played against North Dakota State this past fall. So the only other corner I want to talk about is Kareem Orr. They got him from the Titans. After the fir- the first four corners, I mean, their secondary is not their their corner depth, anyways. After the first four is not that great. So, Why well, you gotta be able to score some points? Yeah. So they they better hope that they can just go. You know, just keep those top four rolling in, in nickel and dime sets <laughs> not have to use five or six corners this year well that's why their defense is built on getting pressure and i actually am scared about okay we get pressure well what happens when you don't sack someone or you don't make them hurry do you have good enough linebackers in secondary yeah it, it justin hollins is a first first year starter I believe the opposite of Leonard Floyd, but I couldn't remember who they had last season opposite of Leonard Floyd. Because it wasn't Dante Fowler. We learned that in the NFC South show that I that Dante was already there in Atlanta in 2019. Well, and Brocker, Brockers was gone. Well, he had a D lineman, an outside but linebacker they, opposite of Leonard Floyd. They, a little bit. I don't, yeah, that's what I'm scared of. I think they're depending on the front line to do everything, and that's what scares me after that. Yeah. And then one last thing for the Rams. They do have a new long snapper, Matthew Orzchek, uh, Orzech. I'm not sure how you say it, but coming over from the Jacks. Uh, he is the only long snapper on the roster, so. Yeah, uh, Raymond Calais definitely going to be their starting kicker turner. That is almost set in stone, considering they have Daryl Henderson at that spot right now. <laughs> so, fantasy. Ha, I caught myself, Chris. <laughs> almost turned the page. <laughs> but fantasy-wise, Matthew Stafford, what do we think, Chris? I think he's... A serviceable starter. I think, like I've been saying in all these shows, he's the type of guy I would maybe target in one of those mid-rounds. Uh, maybe he's not like the top tier of the second set of guys, but I think he – I personally, I think he's a top 12, especially in his new offense. I agree. I, I, I love Matthew Stafford this year. I haven't shied away from it. I think – their offensive line is pretty solid. He's going to get time to throw. He has a litany of receivers to throw to. If they can just get enough running game, which, I mean, he's used to that, though. They didn't have a running game in Detroit either. So uh, he's used to just throwing the ball around, which wouldn't be a bad thing, especially in a better offense. Mm-hmm. So he'd be, a, he'd be a solid second quarterback. Like, would you pick him in your fantasy as your number one quarterback, though? That's the only question that I would pose. I believe you could. 
I think he's yeah. a starting fantasy quarterback. He's just but like I said, be... I, I think he's more in like the nine to twelve range. He's like one of the last starters. Yeah. On the uh, in the league, if For you sure. have solid running backs, wide receivers. So running back, yeah. Daryl Henderson now is definitely elevated in draft rankings considering he's a starter now but it's yeah i i think henderson is elevated but he's not where cam Akers was for sure i think he's gonna be a solid running back two maybe but i think cam Akers had a ceiling of being a running back one but i don't think henderson will get to that point yeah 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 i think henderson could yeah rb2 probably is where he's going to stay for most of the season. But that's right now. If they add another running back, his value goes back down a little bit. Yeah. But I still think he'll be the primary back regardless of who they take. But Wideouts. We'll now, I have Robert Woods on every dynasty team I have. Um, <laughs> I traded for Cooper Cup in one of my dynasty leagues this all season for two second round picks, which I thought was the steal of the century. Um, because even though Robert Woods listed as the number one, Cooper Cup is going to get the most targets and the most receptions and receiving yards. So I think Cooper Cup is a low wide receiver one because he does have to share the work with Robert Woods. But I think Woods is a wide receiver two through and through. Yeah. I mean, that's all if Cup could stay healthy. I like obviously, I think he can, and he has the potential to be that. But also, <clears throat> we got to remember that he's got a new quarterback now. So I don't know. I just know that Goff liked the shorter curl route passes and stuff, and in the slot and all that. I think Stafford. He's used to throwing on the outside to the guys that are going deep or doing other routes other than the little slot slants and stuff. So, I don't know. I, I'm i not too sold on Cup yet. Um, but, yeah, I do agree. I think he does have that wide receiver one upside. Yeah, and I think and, even a lot of people are going to draft Deshaun Jackson late. Uh, I think – he is a potential flex guy, depending on what their offense looks like, but I'm not touching a 34-year-old. Staying away Jackson. from them. <laughs> I think with a better quarterback, I actually think Woods and Cup can play off each other more than they have in a pass, if that makes sense. So I think that they're both going to get a lot. I think that if they don't find somebody to sign in the backfield – that two of them, those two could have a big year if they stay healthy. Tight end? All right. Tyler Higby. So I, in my one dynasty rookie slash veteran draft, I I auto-drafted Tyler Higby because I didn't know it was my pick and the, the eight-hour clock on the email draft ran out. But... Then I looked into it because I was like, oh, crap, I got to now, you know, drop Tyler Higby, go get someone else as my backup tight end because I have Travis Kelsey in both leagues. But I'm like, I, I researched it a little bit and I was like, well, 
you know, Everett's not there. He has Matthew Stafford, who, like Chris said, has had Hawkinson in Detroit, who he loved. I'm like, yeah, maybe Tyler Higby isn't the worst backup tight end to have. <laughs> and maybe, just maybe, he could be a flex starter week in and week out for me. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think uh, Higby has the potential to be a starter. Not necessarily because of his play, but because the tight end position is so thin, uh, there's probably like four or five solid starters that you know what you're going to get, and then there's the rest of them. So I think Higby is at the top of that rest of them category, and I think he can be a solid starter. I mean, I had him in one of my leagues. I forget if it was the Dynasty League or if it was... Uh, our keeper league, but I had him in one of our leagues, and he did pretty good for me, even with Everett being there last year. So I don't think he'll. I, I like I said, I think he'll have a solid season. But yeah, I I don't know. I think he's definitely got the potential to be a number one, but I don't know if I would draft him as my number one. Yeah. Defensively, the Rams are still top five. Uh, you know, some people would probably put them top three. It's just there's a bunch of guys that are starters that I'm not sure would be starters on other teams. You know, Sebastian Joseph Day at left end. Ashawn Robinson at nose tackle probably would be a starter on a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like we've talked about, Justin Hollins as a outside linebacker opposite of Leonard Floyd. I'm not so sold on him. Kenny Young, Micah Kaiser aren't the best inside linebackers, but they, they do their jobs. Uh, the secondary is fantastic. Jordan Fuller, probably the weakest link there at free safety. But they did lose a lot in, in with John Johnson. Um, there was another one that they lost. I'm blanking on who that guy was. Colby. Huh? Um, the other cornerback. Was it Joyner or was he on the Raiders? No, he was on the Raiders. Oh. I don't know. But yeah, they, they lost some secondary guys this offseason. So. Nikel Roby. Nikel Roby Coleman? Uh, was he this offseason or last offseason, though, to the Eagles? I thought he was last year. Was he? I mean, he I just signed so. with the. He's not with the Eagles anymore, though, is he? I don't remember. <laughs> I think he again, so it felt like last, last season. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, top five. Yeah, but I, yeah I, I believe in the Rams' defense as long as they have two of the best defensive players in all of football. <laughs> With Jalen Ramsey and, uh, and Aaron Donald. As long as they have those two guys, their defense is going to stay at the top. Kicker? Matt Gay, who even knew that he was the Rams kicker, huh? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I mean. New face. Well, he was with them last not, year. I know, but it's still a new face. It's just <laughs> still, we had an anchor back there, man. It's still a new face in my opinion. Uh-huh. Yeah, they have. Yeah, I, I'm not touching him. <laughs> Because he's an unknown. 
but he might be one of those guys that like uh that i might see halfway through the season and be like okay he's actually doing really good and my kicker misses a like three field goals a game so i need a new kicker i'll pick him up i agree i agree you know yeah i'm not drafting him you also have uh xfl superstar kicker on their roster austin mcginnis uh, playing for the Dallas Roughnecks, I believe it was. Um, so, who knows? There might be a competition in camp between Matt Gay and Austin McGinnis. Okay, so. let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks. Take it away, Chris. Yeah. Um, so I can't think of their whole schedule off the top of my head, but I, I did have them going 11-6, and six, which I know probably sounds high to some people. But I feel like for the last three years or so, people keep writing off the Seahawks before the season. But then we all know of, like, first half of the season, Russell Wilson, he's the MVP of the first half of the season. So I think they're going to have a solid first half of the season and be in contention and then kind of fall off there at the end. But like I said, they're still going to be 11-6. and six. Um, Record-wise, though, I think I have them going 3-3 three and three in the division, which is the same as the Rams. But I can't remember who their other three losses were against um, that I had them going. But I... I think it was because they play the AFC South, too. Um, and I, so I think they would – I think I had them losing to both the uh, the Colts and the Titans. And then I forget who else I had them losing to. But, uh, yeah, I had them going 11-6. Yeah, I have, I have one up. That's tough. I have one up. I have twelve and five, just like the Rams. Differences three and three in division. Rams are four and two. Uh, week one in Indy. That's a win. Just like I had the Rams beating the Colts in Indianapolis, the Seahawks do it again. Do it too. Just because, like I said, I don't think Carson Wentz is going to be up to speed. Even with two home games, it's against the top two NFC West opponents in my mind. So. I just look, guys. Did their defense? My question is: their defense get any better? Seattle's. No, if anything, it got worse. And so that's hard for me to put them on the twelve and five pedestal. I I firmly believe in Russell Wilson, right? But if you don't have a defense and your offensive line is getting in the backfield. Something's about to break. I don't think they're going to be a bad team, but there's got to be someone in the division that isn't as good as last year. And I look at their team as a team that stayed stagnant. Like, is Arizona going to get – are they going to mature and get better? Is the 49ers going to have less injury and get better? 
And so, I, I don't you know, I'm not looking at their schedule, but I don't see how they go 12 and five unless Russell Wilson is the MVP, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, like I said, uh, at Indy week one, that's a win. I have them losing to the Titans week two. Beating Minnesota in Minneapolis week three. Week four is a loss at Levi Stadium against the Niners. They do beat the Rams. That is in Seattle at Lumen Field on Thursday night football week five. Then they go to Pittsburgh on Sunday night football and lose there. They beat the Saints on Monday night football, so that's three straight primetime games. That's ridiculous. Where's that one at? Seattle. Okay. Uh, and then they beat Jacksonville in Seattle. So five and three at the bye. Not the greatest, but you know, this is where it this is where it really turns up though for Russell. This is where Russ is starting to cook coming out of the bye because they get a lot of e- lot easier schedule. At Green Bay, that's a win. <laughs> I know. I know. Who's under center? And I don't necessarily agree with the the Vikings one, but that's where we all can have different opinions. But I just think Russ can beat the Packers. Uh, they've shown that they can beat the Packers in the past. They beat the Cardinals in Seattle. They win at Washington. That's another very tough game. That's uh, Monday Night Football. But again, it's Russ on prime time. It's, it's I know I know how he performs. That's why I'm saying it's hard to go against Russ. Sunday night football, week thirteen, that's home against the Niners. That's a win. They win in Houston. At the Rams, that's a loss. Uh home against the Bears, that's a win. Home against the Lions, that's a win, and then they lose at Arizona week eighteen. I actually like their schedule more than the Rams. I do. Especially down the stretch. I mean, like I said, it gets easier. Houston, Chicago, Detroit down the stretch. That's those three. Golf? I don't know. Maybe golf figures it out in Detroit. I don't know. But, yeah, key games for me. Those first three are key. Indy, Tennessee, Minnesota. I have them going two and one. Then those three straight primetime games. Once again, I had them going 2-1. and one. Home against the Rams at Pittsburgh. Home against the Saints. Thursday, Sunday, Monday. <laughs> they got a lot of good home games. They have a lot of good home games. That's crazy that they go Thursday, Sunday, Monday. <laughs> uh, the next key game is that Packers game in Lambeau. That's... <laughs> That's, it all depends uh, on who's under center. It all depends on who's under center. Next two keys are their last two primetime games at Washington on Monday night and then home against the Niners on Sunday night. So short week against the Niners, but you know. It's in it's at home. So And then I think possibly the Cardinals game at the end of the year could be key as well. Um, that could be the that could be the division. Yeah, you know, the Rams could be out of the picture. 49ers could be out of the picture. Well, that's where I have that's where I have the Rams winning the division because they play the Niners. And like I said, I have both going twelve and five. The Rams winning it 
based off division record four and two. I like it. I like it. So, depth chart wise for the Seahawks, not talking about quarterbacks, not talking about running backs. They're the same guys coming back. Wide receivers, though. Freddie Swain is the new number three wide receiver this year, possibly. Uh, sixth round pick last year. Uh, they lost David Moore in free agency to the Panthers. Like I said, it's it's possible that Freddie Swain is the number three wideout because they did draft Wayne Eskridge in the second round out of Western Michigan this year. He could be the third guy. Uh, not sure. We'll have to see how those preseason reps work out and into the regular season. The other two guys I would like to talk about on their wideout group is Penny Hart, uh, undrafted free agent last season, had uh, one reception in 13 games last year, was primarily a special teamer. Uh, but Penny Hart coming out of... Uh, I'm blanking. I can't, I can't recall. But anyways... Is is some something in Georgia? Oh, Georgia State, I believe. Penny Hart played at. So they have they have a potent offense at Georgia State. That doesn't always translate. Yeah, Penny Hart's small, really small, like five eight, but super fast. <laughs> and then the other guy, Cade Johnson, undrafted this year out of South Dakota State. Um, played in the championship game or no he didn't no he did not play in the championship game never mind but anyways yeah jackrabbit there so uh tight end gerald everett coming in as the new starter greg olson gone jacob hollister gone as well uh it is gerald everett will disley at the tight end spot I like him there. Russ loves tight ends. So, doesn't use him as often as he used to, though, with DK and Tyler Lockett there now. So, Offensive line, only one new starter. Uh, Gabe Jackson, who they got in a trade with the Raiders, solidifying that right guard spot. Uh, I liked that move. And then the other guy I wanted to highlight in the line is Stone Forsyth, their sixth rounder out of Florida this year, backing up Dwayne Brown at left tackle. Uh, their offensive line isn't the greatest, but I don't think it's the worst either. Uh, you know. Well, we all know he has the legs to do different things. Yeah. Gabe Jackson, Dwayne Brown, the centerpieces of their offensive line there. I know Chris loves Brandon Shell at right tackle. <laughs> Former Jet. His favorite. Defensive end. Now, the defensive line is interesting. I actually have, uh, what, seven guys start here. Carlos, left defensive end, Carlos Dunlap. It's his first full season in Seattle after getting traded mid-year from the Bengals last year. 
His backup, Alden Smith, comes over from the Cowboys. Great year coming back off of three suspension seasons before that. And then the third string at left defensive end, Daryl Taylor. He was a second-round pick just last year, and he's the third-string defensive end right now. So, well, you know, we'll have to see how that works out. But that's that was interesting to me. And I think that's interesting when you throw in, you know, a new quarterback in in the St. Louis Rams scheme and whatnot. So, and I do think that that's kind of an understatement for Seattle is they're going to be strong up front. Yeah. Uh, they they also, uh, the third string left defensive tackle, Robert Candici. I didn't star him, but, you know, former first-round pick for the Cardinals. Coming over, trying to latch on with Seattle. Right defensive tackle. Now, Brian Monet, first-year starter, undrafted in 2019, has played 14 career games, four in 2019, 10 last season, never started one. I don't think he'll be the starter because his backup on the depth chart right now is Al Woods, who opted out last year. I, Al Woods is a vet. Uh, you know, he's been around the league. He knows how to play. I think he would get the start, as in my mind, anyways. I don't see why not. I agree with that. Yeah. Again, you know... It's, it's going to be easier for those guys, regardless of who is a starter, being next to Puna Ford, probably the best run-stuffing defensive tackle in the league. So, uh, New starter opposite of Carlos Dunlap is Kerry Hyder Jr. coming over from the Niners in his one season there. I, I really like him. He's, he's so underrated. I mean, he was for years in Detroit, and then he, he got another backup job in San Francisco, and now he's finally going to be able to get a starting spot with the Seahawks. I don't think he is solidified, though. I do think they're still going to try to give LJ Collier a shot, being that he was a first-round pick just two years ago in 2019. He, he like Daryl Taylor, they just have not produced enough as you know top picks. So... They also have uh, Benson Mayoa, Alton Robinson, and, and Rasheem Green on the defensive line, all names that people know. Uh, so I think the defensive end, the defensive tackle depth I don't like for Seattle, but the defensive end depth is very solid for the Seahawks. Don't have too much to say about the linebackers. Uh, new starter because of the loss of K.J. Wright at, at strong side, is their 2019 fifth-round pick out of Washington, Ben Burkirvin. Uh I remember him playing it in the Pac-12. Um, solid. He's definitely a new-era style of linebacker. He can cover the pass very well, stuff the run. Um and I do want to point out as well, John Radigan, the third-string middle linebacker right now, he was my guy, if y'all remember, in <laughs> during the season out of Army. Uh, 
John Radigan was my boy. So he went undrafted this year. I I hope he can make the the Seahawks roster or someone else's. Um, I love John Radigan. Secondary corners. Akello Witherspoon coming over from the Niners. He is their new starter. The opposite is DJ Reed, who they also got from the Niners, but that was last season. Only started half of the games last year, but he will hopefully start all 17 this year. <laughs> One of Chris's other favorite guys is their third-string corner, Pierre Desir, coming over from the Ravens, technically, because he was with them during their playoff run. Uh, and I also put slash the Jets. So. <laughs> There's a reason why he's been on four teams in two years. <laughs> uh, and then the only other guy I have for the corners is their fourth-round rookie, Trey Brown, out of Oklahoma. What's crazy about that is that I just, when people were talking about Texas, Oklahoma, I saw a clip on Twitter today of that game this from this past year where Oklahoma upset number 22 Texas in quadruple overtime. And who was the guy that intercepted Sam Ellinger in the end zone? (laughs) Trey Brown. (laughs) So, yeah. That is the Seahawks depth chart. Those are the guys that I had pointed out anyways. Um, A lot of of guys. The Rams had the least amount of guys pointed out because they're returning most of their guys. So, Fantasy-wise, Russell Wilson. Top five quarterback. Top three, possibly. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. It's yeah. If he can, if he can do what he does the entire season, <laughs> he could, he could be a top three. But the fact that he plays MVP like in the first half and then drops out, <laughs> that's why he's a top five. Yeah. the The fantasy strategy when you're drafting Russell Wilson is draft him, right? Make sure you have a capable backup quarterback that are you're comfortable playing. And then trade Russell Wilson at the trade deadline for solid running back slash wide receiver value. No. I mean, <laughs> he is my starting quarterback in our dynasty league. And, I mean, I, I've i played him pretty much every week except for his bye week. But I do have a capable backup, like you were saying, with Tom Brady. I know he's not the best fantasy quarterback, (laughs) but Brady is still very serviceable. Other than that, though, I have Sam Darnold and Mac Jones as my other two quarterbacks on our dynasty league. Well, neither of which I'm comfortable starting. Obviously, Mac Jones isn't going to be a starter yet, and we all know how Darnold's been (laughs) with the Jets. I still think he's going to be the same way with the with the Panthers. So. I have no other option other than Russell Wilson, pretty much. Sam Darnold's going to put that work in for you this year, Chris. All right. Uh, Running back. I love Chris Carson, man. Chris Carson. I feel like I draft Chris Carson every single year. He's just... he, He gets shit on every year by people. And then he produces... The only issue he has is fumbles, but I don't think I don't see an issue with it. I, I don't think he fumbles that much. But well, the, yeah, the fumbles are but 
also, he's coming off the injury now, so we don't know exactly how he's going to be. That's... I mean, I still think he'll be a solid running back. Like, I mean, I like him just as much as you do, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go near him, though, because of the injury. Yeah, RB2, uh, I think, is where he's going to stay his entire career uh, in fantasy. <laughs> The, the issue that I have with Seattle is when Chris Carson gets hurt, it turns into a freaking committee. Because when he's not hurt, though, it's it's just Chris Carson. And then, you know, you'll get a couple carries here and there from the other guys. But, yeah, behind him is no longer Carlos Hyde because he's in Jacksonville now. But they have Rashad Penny, Travis Homer, and DJ Dallas, the same guys that they had last year. Not touching any of those, obviously, but I'm just saying. I, I hate when Chris Carson gets injured because then you don't know what to do. Especially in daily fantasy, it's like, bro, who do I pick from the Seahawks? If you need to, anyways. Wide receivers, DK. <laughs> Wide out, one. Easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, I think he's, he's not a top five. I, I mean, I don't know. It's hard without, you know, having all of the receivers in front of you. But. No, I don't think he's top five either. I think he's definitely a top ten, though. But Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't put him in the top five category yet. Yeah, and then Tyler Lockett, solid wide receiver, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also got wide receiver one upside, too. Yeah, depending on the week. Depending <laughs> Yeah. When Russ wants to throw him three touchdowns and 300 yards in one game, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was the dumbest game ever. I can't I can't with that game. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Freddie Swain or Dwayne Eskridge has any value. I don't think they use the third wide receiver enough. I think they'll use Gerald Everett more than the third receiver so Dwayne Eskridge definitely though dynasty wise you know take a chance on him in in your last pick if if you don't have other options that you like better uh because you know the Seahawks aren't going to be able to keep DK and Tyler Lockett they already signed Tyler to an extension two seasons ago I believe it was and DK's due up in two years so but yeah, Gerald Everett, I don't like him. Like I said, Russ doesn't use the tight ends as much as he used to. So I don't really like him. I mean, you can get away with him as your backup, but I think there are better options. I mean, I agree with you to a certain extent, but you said he doesn't use him like he used to, but that was also because... He hasn't really had a decent. He didn't have a decent tight end last year. I don't think he didn't really yeah, have Greg that Olson. Tight end. <laughs> yeah, but I'm. I was not high on Greg Olson, so I definitely think that Gerald Everett coming over. I think will help the Seahawks in the passing game a lot, and I think he. I I don't think it'll be at the level that it used to with the Seahawks with their tight ends. But I think it'll be better than it has been. 
Defense. Nope. Next. <laughs> what a fall from grace they've had. <laughs> they used to be the defense. And now they're bottom of the barrel. Don't touch them. I mean, like, yeah. I don't even... I don't even know if I would touch them in like the scenario where I needed a defense for a week. I don't think I would go near them. When they play the Lions. <laughs> or the Bears. Or the what about the Texans when they play the Texans? <laughs> yeah. Alright. Uh the kicker Jason Myers. Now there's a solid pick for you. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you're still salty, Chris. <laughs> uh-huh. That's Mike McCagden for you. He wouldn't resign him. <laughs> but, yeah, Jason Myers is definitely a starting fantasy kicker. Once Again, though, like I said, it's it's hard to put, like, a top however many without having all the players in front of you. So we'll leave that for our kicker slash special team show. Kicker defense special team show. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, starter though. Starter Jason Myers is. Okay. The San Francisco 49ers. We're almost there. You know, two teams down. We've been on the air for two and a half hours. This is great. It's Mark's fault. It is Mark's fault. <laughs> uh, so I had the Niners going 10 and 7. I'm wrong. <laughs> I have the Niners going ten and seven, three and three in the division, splitting all three. Uh, week one, that's a win. That's at Detroit. <laughs> that's that's a win. Uh, they lose at home against the Colts. That is uh, Sunday night football. They go back to back actually Sunday night games uh, in Seattle. That's a loss. And then, intriguing. This is not me being a homer. At the Eagles, that is a loss as well. Uh, or no, hold on. Never mind. I got the schedule wrong. I again, I hate when they do these printout schedules, dude. Some teams go across, some teams go down. And how I how I did it, I started going across, and I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like the yeah. But anyways, restart on the Niner schedule. Week one is a win at Detroit. Week two is a loss at Philly. Philly always plays well against the Niners. I don't know why it is, but they always do. They beat them last year. <laughs> uh, that was in San Francisco, too. Sunday night football, home against the Packers. That's a loss. Once again, the, the Packers are just a team that the Niners can't beat. They've, they've proven that. <laughs> Back-to-back NFC championships. Week four, home against the Seahawks. That is a win. They lose at Arizona. Week five. So, bye week is two and three. Not looking good. It gets better, though. Well, it doesn't right away, but it eventually does. (laughs) Uh, Week seven is Sunday night football. Home against the Colts. That's a loss. Week eight at Chicago. That's a win. They beat the Cardinals at home. They beat the Rams at home on Monday Night Football. They win in Jacksonville. They beat the Vikings in Levi's Stadium. Then they lose at Seattle on Sunday night. Beat the Bengals in Cincy. They beat the Falcons 
in San Fran. They lose at the Titans. They beat the Texans at home, and then they lose at the Rams week 18. So 10-7. and seven. Key games at Philly week two. Like I said, they don't play well against the Eagles. The next week as well, Sunday night football, home against the Packers. They don't play well against them. At Arizona week five, that's a tough loss going into the bye week, but I think that's a key game. Sunday night football against the Colts week seven, that is a loss. Uh, Monday night against the Rams week 10, that is a win. At Seattle week 13, that is Sunday night once again, a loss. And then Thursday night football against the Titans in Nashville uh, week 16, that is a loss. And then, oh, wait, week 18 as well at the Rams, uh, helping the Rams win the division. Yeah, so I'm higher on the 49ers than you are um, because I think that they can get back to their Super Bowl form from two years ago. But I think that they go 12-5, and tying with the Rams, uh, I think they go three and three in the division. I think they lose to the Packers, and then they lose to Tennessee. I think it's the same five losses that the Rams have. So uh, I don't know who would win the division in my scenario. I'd have to actually like look at the tiebreakers and all that. But they literally they they literally tie with the Rams. In, in record and who they lose to. So, yeah, I think that they're going to be a really tough team to play this year. Yeah, uh, so depth chart-wise, not really any new starters. There's, there's two. Two new starters. One on offense, one on defense. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about backups. That's fine. Quarterback-wise, first-round pick, third overall, Trey Lance. Obvious backup. See how Garoppolo Mm -hmm. plays. Uh, Nate Sudfeld is the third string coming over from the Eagles this offseason. We don't need to talk about Josh Rosen because he was already on the Niners. (laughs) Running back-wise... Trey Sermon is the new backup to Raheem Mostert, and he is their third rounder out of Ohio State. They also brought in Wayne Gallman from the Giants this offseason. Jeff Wilson Jr. is still there as well. Wideouts. Uh, Richie James is the new third guy. I, I say new with a question mark because I feel like there was someone else there last year. But I can't. I can't think of it. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, it was Kendrick Bourne. That's right. I have it written up at the top of my thing. Yeah, Kendrick Bourne was the third guy last year. And uh, so Richie James steps in there. Really young receiver group, except for one guy, which we'll talk about. Uh, Jalen Hurd is the new wide receiver four. He's their third-round pick from 2019 out of Tennessee. They also brought in Trent Sherfield. From the Cardinals this offseason. And they re-signed Mohamed Sanu. Uh, so he is the elder statesman in the top six receivers. By far. <laughs> mm. No one's even close to how old 
Muhammad Sanu is. So we'll see if he makes the team or not. I I don't know, um, but because they they have other veterans that are vying for that last spot or two. Travis Benjamin coming over from the Chargers, and also Benny Fowler coming over from the Saints. Uh, those three vets, I think, are really fighting for one spot, probably. Unless mm-hmm. unless they want Travis Benjamin as the punt returner, but they have guys that can do that. Yeah. So. Well, I think that it's Benjamin's spot, though, to lose. Um, I Just in my personal opinion, I think he's the best of those three guys. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'd be interesting because, you know, Benny Fowler is not that old either. I believe he's 26, 27. Um, so he's older than all the other five in front of him, I believe. But it'd be interesting to see if they want to keep an older, older guy like Benjamin or Sanu who are in their 30s or if they want to keep a semi-older guy in, in Fowler who is, I don't know, I like Fowler. In terms of just overall production, what he did in Denver, what he did in New Orleans, yeah. Um, as a sixth wide receiver, he could get worse. So, they also do have Kevin White still on the roster. <laughs> He's still floating around there. River Craycraft was there last year. Nasimba Webster, as well as former third round pick, actually Jawan Jennings, out of Tennessee. Um, not going to make the roster. So They do have a new, technically, backup tight end. I don't know if you would call him the new backup tight end or not because he was somewhat playing that because Jordan Reed is now gone. Uh, Ross Dwelly officially steps into that role. I mean, I think Ross Dwelly is already kind of the backup tight end. But... <laughs> Uh, offensive line-wise, like I said, one new starter on offense. That is at the center position. Alex Mack comes over from the Falcons. Um, yeah, veteran guy. Their their offensive line is very solid, I would say. Lakin Tomlinson, probably the, the weak link at left guard, but even that is not that big of a deal. Uh, the two new backups at guard are Sanio Calamete coming over from the Texans to back up Tomlinson, and then Aaron Banks drafted in the second round out of Notre Dame to back up Daniel Brunskill at right guard. Defensively, uh, defensive line, the backup for Javon Kinlaw is new. It's Maurice Hurst coming over from the Raiders. Also, DJ Jones at the other D-tackle spot. His backup is new, Zach Kerr, coming over from the Panthers, formerly of the Cardinals as well. Uh, Linebackers. Now, this is another team that their depth at linebacker is just trash. They have a new starter at Sam. That is Samson Abukum coming over from the Rams. But their three guys behind Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, and Abukum are all undrafted. Uh, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, undrafted last year. Aziz Alshair, undrafted in 2019. And, and Jonas Griffith, I'm not sure when he was undrafted, but I know he was. Um, 
so unproven to say the least is are the backup linebackers for the Niners. So maybe they could use Michael Kendricks. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, secondary wise, Ambry Thomas drafted in the third round out of Michigan. He's their third corner right now. Uh, I have a bunch of safeties marked here. Tavon Wilson comes over from the Colts to back up Jimmy Ward. Uh, and Wilson's backup is Tony Jefferson coming over from the Ravens. Uh, 2020 opt-out as well. Mm-hmm. I think he opted out because of injury, though, not COVID. I believe it was injury. Uh, the strong safety spot, third and fourth strings, Talanoa Hufanga, fifth-round rookie out of USC this year. And then Tarvarius Moore, actually, third-round pick in 2018, all the way down in fourth-string strong safety. So, yeah. That is the Niners' depth chart. Uh, Fantasy-wise, now, the quarterback position is interesting. I don't... I have never liked Garoppolo in in fantasy. So I I would not touch him. Trey Lance though, dynasty. Definitely, if you need a quarterback, is is an option. Mm-hmm. Running back. Yeah, I. Uh, Go ahead, yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say I'm I'm with you with Garoppolo. I'd maybe draft him as my backup, but I'm not going for him as my starter. And uh, well. A, lo- a big reason why is because of Trey Lance, because we don't know uh, how things are going to shake up. Obviously, if Garoppolo performs uh, very well, then Trey Lance probably won't see the field. But if Garoppolo, not even, it's actually not even if Garoppolo performs well, it's if the team performs well. Because if the team comes out the gate and has a losing record by like week, six or seven, I could see them doing the switch. And then you like drafting Garoppolo is a waste of a pick for whoever does it. So I, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't draft him maybe as my backup, but I probably will stay away from him. Running back wise. Again, it's sort of a, a weird position to, to look at fantasy wise. Because, you know, Raheem Mostert is a starter, yes. But how much work is Trey Sermon going to get, though? That's the question that we don't know the answer to because he's a rookie and we don't have any data on what the workload will look like between those two. Plus, even Wayne Gallman and Jeff Wilson could get some carries as well. Uh, so I wouldn't feel comfortable. I think I would feel comfortable with Raheem Mostert as being you know, your RB2 possibly, but I think I'm more comfortable on him being a flex player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I all four of the running backs there for San Francisco are great, but that's the problem is that they're all there. Yeah. So we don't know the workload, even for Mostert, because even though he's the starter, he has been hurt. And so they probably will take some of the workload off of him 
and divide it between those other guys. Um, and normally in this kind of situation, you could say you could handcuff them or whatever, but I just, I don't think you could even do that here because there's too many options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once again, though, uh, you know, (laughs) their other Trey, Trey Sermon is definitely draftable in dynasty. I, I think he could, he could, once Mostert's contract is up, or even before, I mean, I, I like, I really like to trade Sermon, especially what we saw from him down the stretch for Ohio State was just ridiculous what he did to get them into the college football playoff, win the, well, first off, win the Big Ten, then win their semifinal game, um, And, and yeah, and then he got hurt <laughs> in the national championship, and yeah. Wideouts, uh, Debo and Brandon Ayuk. I think Debo is a wide receiver too. I don't necessarily like Ayuk, but I think you could flex him if you need to. Yeah. I don't... I'm kind of on the same page as you with the receivers. I don't really like any of them. But yeah, I think Debo Samuel probably will have the best fantasy season. But take the word best lightly, because I <laughs> still don't think it'll be that great. Because um, the 49ers just aren't an offensive team, especially in the passing game. Um, so I, like, I think that their defense will keep them in low scoring, close games. So they won't have to do too much. And, uh, yeah. So I just, I'm on the same page with you though. I think that Debo Samuel can be a wide receiver too, but I would still not want to take either one of them unless I was to do it for the flex. Yeah, it took me till now to to actually realize that the screen wasn't changed. Uh, But yeah, Matthew Stafford, DK Metcalf, Trey Lance, Kyler Murray as the NFC West preview. Uh, Tight end, that's an easy one. That's the easiest fantasy spot to talk about (laughs) on the Niners, which we, that's why we won't spend too much on it. Uh, national He's tight a top end. two. <laughs> national tight end day started by George Kittle <laughs> is tight end university. Uh, yeah, George Kittle is probably the most fun person to watch and to listen to. Uh, dude, when when he has national tight end day on on uh, NFL films, it's just. <laughs> The sound bites are just hilarious. <laughs> uh, I'm still so mad, though, because I had drafted him in our Dynasty League when we first started it. That was before he was George Kittle. So I, didn't, <laughs> I was like, oh, who's this no-name scrub guy? So I cut him to pick up somebody else, and then he becomes... The George Kittle that we know. <laughs> so I had him on our on my Dynasty League team. And then, yeah. He uh, became the, the top two tight end in the entire league. Yeah. I think I have him. 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I think I might have had him and Kelsey, but I don't know. Yeah, definitely top two. Him and Kelsey are in a league of their own. Defensively, I I like it. I like the Niners' defense. I think they're they're uh, bound to bounce back. I, I don't think yeah. they're you know top five. But I think they're. A I starting, think they're top ten though. Yeah, I think they're a starting caliber defense, especially playing a what a fourth place schedule this year. Yeah, because they. Uh, yeah. I think they finished behind the Cardinals, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the AFC South isn't the hardest division to play against. So, you know, the other, their their fill-in games are the Bengals, the Jags, and the, oh no, they play the NFC North. Bengals, Jags. No, the Jags aren't a, a fill-in game because they play the AFC South. Bengals, Falcons, <laughs> and Eagles. So they probably go, at the very least, they probably go 2-1 and one in those three games. Yeah, which that's that's what I had them doing. So. I think I had them going 3-0, and oh, but I can see them losing that Philly game. All right. This is another easy one. Kicker, Robbie Gold. Consistent as consistent gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has been one of the the top, the higher scoring fantasy kickers the last couple seasons, too. So, mm-hmm. definitely Robbie Gold can go off as a top five kicker, probably. Yeah, he's... Uh... I think he's a top 10 kicker, so I would draft him. All right, let's get to the Cardinals finally here. Chris, would you like to go? Um, yeah, well, I don't, I don't remember their schedule off the top of my head, but I had them, despite all their additions and everything, I was still not ready to jump on the Cardinals bandwagon, so I had them finishing in last place in the division, but they still had a great season in my thing. They still went 10 and seven, uh, three and three in the division, which means all four teams finished three and three. Um, and then, uh, I, I think I had them losing to Tennessee and to the Colts. Um, they beat Jacksonville and, and uh houston um and then they uh they play the nfc north right yes so they uh lose to the packers i think i had them beating the lions and then i had them beating the bears and losing to Minnesota. Um, and then their their filler games are the Giants, I believe. No. 
Or no, the Cowboys. Cowboys. The Cowboys. Yeah. Panthers. And Browns. And I had them losing to the Cowboys and the Browns. And I don't remember what I had them doing against the Panthers, but I think I had them winning that game. But overall, like I said, it was a 10-7 and record for me for them. Dang. Beating the Colts. I'm not as high on the Cardinals. I have them right around where they were last year. They went 8-8 eight and eight last year, missed the playoffs. I have them at 8-9 <laughs> this year. Even with an, an improved roster, I think the division is tough. Their, their conference, those three games that we just talked about, their, their fill-in games are, are tough too. But yeah, week, week one, losing at Tennessee. I do have them beating the Vikings. I'm rough on the Vikings, and I had the whole NFC West beating them. <laughs> uh, they win in Jacksonville week three. They lose at the Rams. They beat the Niners at home, though. Um, losing at the Browns. They beat the Texans at home. They lose to the Packers on Thursday night. That's in Arizona. Uh, they lose at the Niners. Lose home against the Panthers. Uh, they lose at Seattle. So they're 4-7 and seven at their bye week, week 12. Uh, they beat Chicago in Chicago. Uh, they lose on Monday night at home to the Rams. They beat the Lions in Detroit. They lose uh, home against the Colts. That's a Saturday game. That's Christmas Day. Um, and then they... Beat the Cowboys in Dallas, and they beat the Seahawks at home week 18 to get to 8-9. and nine. Key games, uh, they're 2-4 and four in division. I didn't write it down because it didn't matter um, as far as the division race goes. Week 2 is a key game. They beat the Vikings. Uh, also week 5, home against the Niners. They win that one as well. Week 8... Thursday night, that's the Packers game in Arizona. That's a loss. That week 10 against the Panthers in Arizona, I, that's a loss as well. I think that's not the key game. Uh, similar teams there. Monday night football, week 14, home against the Rams is a loss. That Saturday Christmas Day game against the Colts in Arizona, that is a loss. And then week 18 in Arizona, that is a win against the Seahawks to give the Rams the division. It's crazy. Here, here would be my two questions, which I'm not saying that it's going to make their season win 10 or 12 games, but they had, they have to improve on two things. Their culture got 10 times better. I mean, JJ Watt is going to change your culture hundred percent. Like he's going to be hungry. He's a hard worker and their quarterback has not digressed in the league in his years in here. And so, in my opinion, their coach is going to get better. They're going to use him in space better. He should be hitting his targets better. And so, okay, you can stay complacent, but you would have to think they have to get a little bit better, whether that's a one-game improvement or a two-game improvement. 
especially if there's injuries to other teams in the division. Yeah. Now I'm not I'm not calling them world beaters, but I think those are the two things that you could look at as positives. You're you're either gonna stay the course or you're gonna get worse or you gotta get better, right? Yeah. The the thing for me against about the Cardinals is I was very high on them last year. I was high on Kyler Murray, the defense, DeAndre Hopkins, and they didn't produce. You know, Cliff Kingsbury just blew it up down the stretch. But Murray, down down the stretch was terrible. Kyler Murray, though, the first four weeks looked like an MVP candidate. So can you build off those first four weeks? Yeah, their offensive line I'm still not sold on. Uh, other than Rodney Hudson, who we'll talk about. Defense, I do like their defense. I really do, which we'll talk about. But, um, So, yeah, let's get into the depth chart now. New backup quarterback this year, Colt McCoy coming over from the Giants. Um, who was it? Uh, Brett Hundley, right? It used to be Brett Hundley, I believe, in Arizona. So. Old old. Yeah. <laughs> so Colt McCoy comes over to back up Kyler Murray. I didn't really like that. I, I don't know. Um, running back-wise, Kenyon Drake is gone. Chase Edmonds is the new starter. Uh, they also got James Conner from the Steelers. I'm not sure how that's going to work out, how the workload will will work. So we'll have to see about that. Uh, wide receivers getting AJ Green from the Bengals. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, I don't, I don't believe in AJ Green anymore. So, yeah. No, I never did. I think I, if I were a Cardinals fan, I think I'd rather them re-sign Larry Fitzgerald again for another year. Doesn't look like that's what they're gonna do though. They no, I know, but I'm just saying, I, I would have rather them re-sign. Fitzgerald instead of for less signing money. AJ Green. <laughs> yeah. Other receiver I have marked here, Rondale Moore, their second round rookie out of Purdue. Electric playmaker. Um we'll see. Those guys typically have not worked out in the league as just general you know dynamic guys. Like Cordell Patterson. Now Cordell Patterson has is the lone outlier where he's found his niche as a running back slash receiver uh, as well as a kick returner. But Rondale Moore at 5'8", it's going to be tough, even as a second-round pick. I mean, like I said, he was just dynamic at Purdue in his four years there. But it's going to be tough in the league. Tight end, uh, Max Williams is back as the starter this year. Uh, Dan Arnold is gone to Carolina, so even though they don't use tight end. Um, Dan Arnold did have his, his best career year last year with, uh, I think, 31 receptions. So we'll see. Max, Max Williams has had his chances in Arizona. I mean, they re-signed him. They re-signed him a couple years ago. Uh, and then Dan Arnold took over last year, so I, I don't know. 
Offensive line, like I said, Rodney Hudson, the only new starter at center coming in a trade from the Raiders. Uh, solidifies the pivot there for the Cardinals. His backup is a rookie. Seventh rounder out of Penn State, Michael Manette. Uh, solid there. I didn't really expect him to get drafted, but he did, so good for him. Uh, and then the only other guy, new guy I saw was... Uh, backup right guard to Justin Murray is your guy Brian Winters coming over from the Bills. Um, <laughs> Good, stay there. Well, it's def he's not that de he's definitely not going to get some Winters out there. He's <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was a Mark joke. Yeah. <laughs> All right, defensively, biggest one, J.J. Watt coming over from the Texans. Like Mark said, going to change the culture. Solid addition there. Let's see yeah, he'll change left. the culture, but I don't know how much he's actually going to do on the field. J.J. Watt, even on a even on a you know bad season, can get five sacks at the minimum. Eight, maybe, I think is what he'll get. But Rashard Lawrence, uh First year starting at Nose, fourth rounder in 2020 out of LSU. Uh, he only has one career start last year and uh, nine games played. Their first round pick this year, Zavin Collins, slides in next to Isaiah Simmons. Back-to-back -back first round linebackers for the cards. 16th overall out of Tulsa. I loved Zayvon Collins. I think he's going to do a little bit of everything. Pass rush, uh, you know, cover, help in the run game. That is a – they're linebackers. I, I love all four of their starters. Chandler Jones, Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, Marcus Golden. Fantastic starting four for the cards. Mm-hmm. And then secondary-wise, Malcolm Butler coming over from the Titans to start opposite of Byron Murphy. They also got Darquez Dennard and Robert Alford from the Falcons. And then they drafted two guys, Marco Wilson in the fourth round out of Florida and Tate Gowan in the sixth round out of UCF. Um, and then safety, backup strong safety to Jalen Thompson is Sean Williams coming over from the Bengals. Yeah, they have a revamped secondary there, but I don't know how good it's actually going to be. They obviously lost their uh, their longtime starter there with Patrick Peterson going to the to the Vikings now. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really like their uh, for the most part. I don't like their additions there in the secondary. Yeah, a lot of a lot of veterans. I mean, let's see how it works out though. Uh, and then, big time, they got Matt Prater from the Lions. Not much to say about Matt Prater's resume speaks for itself. <laughs> okay, fantasy-wise here, Kyler Murray. Now, I, like I said, I was very high on Kyler last year. Did not produce as much as I thought, especially in the wins column. But I think being a dual threat, I think that still has value. So, 
the top seven <laughs> quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that he has the potential to be a top quarterback, which is why I think he's draftable. But I don't know. I'm still not 100% sold on Kyler Murray because of the fact that he's been kind of inconsistent. Um, like I said, he can be one of the best. And I, I will take the chance on that. Like I would take the chance on that, but I feel like he's a very boomer bust kind of player. Yeah. Has to take the next step in year three. Mm-hmm. Uh, running back wise, I don't like it. Chase Edmonds, I think, is the safer bet. I think he can be an RB two. And we just don't know what James Conner is going to give us with the Cardinals. You don't like your your guy from Pittsburgh there, James Conner? No, I trusted him last season, and he didn't do anything. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not a bit. I was never a big James Conner fan, even when he took over for Le'Veon. Uh, so I don't. I'm not even going to consider him as an option. Um, but yeah, I think Chase Edmonds. I mean, he's shown in the past. Granted, it was as the second running back slash backup, but he's shown that he can produce. So I think, given a higher workload, I think he can be a solid running back. I think he's definitely a running back too. Um, but I, I don't really see him having upside as a one. Especially in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Mm-hmm. Wide receivers. I love DeAndre, dude. D-Hop is the man. Probably still not wide receiver one, because that's probably Devontae Adams. But mm-hmm. top three wide receiver. But now do... Well... I'm sure you've seen the whole thing with him on social media, like contemplating retirement or whatever. Do you think he was actually serious about that or was that just him blowing off steam? I think it's just because he doesn't want to get vaccinated. <laughs> so um, like, but the thing if, is if that we'll, wasn't, what? we'll know. That's the thing though. We'll know all this luckily, or should I say, hopefully we should know how everything is is worked out by the time that most leagues draft. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like obviously, if he decides to retire or whatever, that's a big blow to both the Cardinals' offense and fantasy football. Um, <clears throat> but I don't really think that was a serious thing that he posted. So, yeah, I think he's definitely – I'm going to just say he's a top three because, I don't know, like you said, Devontae Adams, uh, we got to see how Julio does in the Tennessee Titans offense. And you can't put Michael Thomas up there anymore with his – I was going to say, I weeks. can't even say Michael Thomas anymore. But I think um, A.J. Brown. He, I think A.J. Brown will take a step this year yeah. with Julio there. And, so. and even D.K., we could kind of throw him in there too. So there's a lot of receivers there at the top, but DeAndre is one of them. Yeah, and then what do we think about A.J. Green? I know we both said we don't really like A.J. Green that much. We'll have to see if he can play the whole year. Uh, That's the first thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But he's never 
as far as I know, he's never had a guy like DeAndre Hopkins opposite him. Yeah. He's, a, he's always uh, been I the guy. I think for majority of his career, he's been the guy. So, um, yeah, I if he can stay healthy and stay on the field, he's essentially taking over the role of Larry Fitzgerald. <clears throat> my my... Um, even, even though Christian Kirk is kind of elevating too, but I don't know. I just think that uh, since AJ Green is the vet, if he can stay healthy and based on his resume when he is healthy, I think he'll be a solid target. But again, he's one of those players that there's such there's just so many question marks with him. I don't think I would draft him. However, if he is drafted, I would say it's in the mid rounds and it's <clears throat> as the wide receiver two or maybe even flex if you can get him that way. Yeah, I'm putting him as a wide receiver three slash flex right now. Um, my issue with A.J. Green in this offense is that him and DeAndre Hopkins are the same. They're both big jump ball types of guys. Now, they drafted Rondale Moore to be Larry Fitzgerald. That's exactly what they drafted Rondale Moore to do, was to be in the slot and and get all the underneath stuff but they also drafted him to be the speedster so you know mm-hmm. you've got to do both but don't even get me started on christian kirk man i was <laughs> so high on him two years ago coming out of a&m and he mm-hmm. is just disappointed after disappointed season it's yeah the other thing too though with the cardinals offense with their receivers is i mean do they still double DeAndre? Doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I know it doesn't really matter, but do they take that extra guy and put him on DeAndre, or do they spread them out and do the one-on-one coverage for everybody? Because they're not going to double A.J. Green. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I don't we'll know. let see. Tight end, we're not drafting anyone. Max Williams, undraftable. <laughs> yep. The defense, now, I think this is a sneaky defense. Like I said, I love their linebackers. We have J.J. Watt. Zach Allen is underrated as well at the defensive end spot. The secondary is where it comes into question, especially at corner, Mm -hmm. where we have Malcolm Butler sliding into Patrick Peterson's spot. Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson are are solid at safety, but it's the corners that are the issue. Mm-hmm. But I still think I I don't think they're a starting defense right now. They're a fringe thirteen fourteen rank. Well, I'm I'm gonna say that <clears throat> they're top twenty. Not saying that they're 18 to 20. I think that they are closer to what you said, like low teens. But I'm just going to say top 20. Because to me, top 20 means that they are a rosterable defense. They are a defense that you can have as your backup. Or if you do do like a matchup-based defense thing, then, yeah, I think they're good for that. I don't know if they are good enough for an every week defense though yeah which is why i'm putting them in the top 20 category 
All right, and then Matt Prater, starting kicker. What to see, you know, how the offense does, though, in order to make him a more elite kicker in fantasy. Yeah. I mean, I I think he is good, but he's – and I know kicker's age doesn't really matter as much as other positions, but he's still, I think, one of the older kickers in the league now. Um, and I don't know if his – like obviously he has the resume as a big leg kicker and all that, but I don't know. I I think I'd have to see with him. I don't know if I would draft him. Well, the Cardinals love their old kickers because they have Andy Lee punting <laughs> for them still. So. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, that is our NFC West predictions. I had Rams winning the NFC West 12 and 5 4 and 2 in the division Seahawks close behind at 12 and 5 3 and 3 in the division Niners in a wild card spot at 10 and 7 and then the Cardinals out of the playoffs 8 and 9 Yeah um I think this is actually the most different that we've had these divisions so far uh but we both had the Rams at 12 and 5 winning the division uh, well, like, like I said before, <clears throat> I had the 49ers and Rams at the same record with the same wins and losses, but just for the hell of it, I'm going to say that the Rams would win. Um, and then, obviously, the 49ers being 12-5 and five also would get a wild card spot. The Seahawks, I would have to look at my other division rankings and stuff because I forget. I think they might sneak in there too at 11 and six um and then the cardinals yet again for the second year in a row are just outside the playoffs for me at 10 and seven all right so next friday we will have our fantasy running back ranking show we're doing the quarterbacks on monday show uh so we won't have as much news hopefully i mean training camps starting up so we might have news but Definitely will not be doing three-and-a-half-hour shows anymore <laughs> like we have been. So, uh, well, Derek Henry, talk new Rams starter Daryl Henderson next week. See where he slots in our, I don't know what we're doing, top 30 or whatever. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is next week's show. Thank you all for watching. Don't forget to follow us on all our Social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, FAAPodcast.com as well. Check out all our shows right mm-hmm. there. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to get the uh, <clears throat> the post out either today or tomorrow. And I'm also going to do an additional post, kind of just combining all the rankings that I sent you a preview of a couple days ago. So. I'll get that out as well. Fine work, my friend. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Chris. And we'll see you all on Monday. See you.